Welcome to your sanity safe space with your favorite YouTube podcast duo. Skag 3, whoever he is. Get your clogged fascist ass out of here! Saving the millennial generation in weekly installments. You are a terrific team on all counts. Live from a castle tower and his mother's basement, this is, is the Matt and Blonde Show. I'll lead an effective strategy to mobilize true and international over departure. <laughs> Hey, why the fuck is the gas so hot, bitch? Out here in the fields, I fight for my meals. Border towns across America being pushed to the limits again. What do you call it here at the White House when 10,000 people illegally cross the border in a single day? So what do you call it when GOP puts forth a, a, a wait, no, as no, 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 you can't. Sorry? I'm answering. Okay, we're going to move. No, 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 I'll have to just circle back with you. They're literally from around the world, West Africa, South and Central America. They're coming from all over. We have to let the word out. When you come to New York, you're not going to have more hotel rooms. We're at our limit. If you're going to leave your country, go somewhere else. (laughs) Oh, man. You are fake news. Do not come. Do not come. Very fake news. I'm going to come. Go back to where you come from, okay? It's not against the law, oh fuck you! Let's go, Brandon. That's a big game, man! Alright, America, go to the YouTube right now. Big ups to Rebecca for keeping Matt woke. Congratulations (laughs) to both of you, you're awesome. I can't do it, we'll do it live. (laughs) Fuck it, we'll do it live! Hello and welcome to the show. It is a great show. It is a terrific show. It is a tremendous show. No pun intended. Frankly, the best. You can ask anyone about that. People often do. This is the Matt and Blonde Show. My name is Matt Christensen. I'm flanked on my right, not by Blonde, but by my friend Frank from Quite Frankly. How are you, Frank? Oh, that, that's my good. Oh, there's not by cute. blonde, by bald. It's Matt and Bald show tonight, <laughs> and all all the love and respect in the world to blonde. I I'm uh, really happy to be here. Thank you, thank yeah. you, thank you for sitting in. It is much appreciated. The show must go on. Uh, we will have more on your production, quite frankly, in a moment for people who may be unfamiliar. But uh, plenty to talk about tonight, including. Democrat Senator Robert Menendez of New Jersey is indicted on bribery and corruption charges. Uh, He accepted gold bars for favors for Egyptians, among other things. I I, I think that's actually pretty cool, actually. If you're going to engage in pirate business, use pirate currency. I'm actually I actually respect him for this move. Yes. Yeah, I I like that. I like the gold bar element, but uh, there were other goodies included. Um. And uh, I've already forgotten about the rest of the details on this, but the news cycle will by tomorrow, too. So it's not a big deal. Well, did Um, you hear? I mean, there's another big I mean, what Stonehenge was built by blacks. Didn't you hear that? Oh, is that the is that actually new new news? I thought I heard that a few years ago. Or is that there's a new there's a newly published book out that Ah. that Africans built Stonehenge. Oh, okay. Well, I'll have to read up on that one. Uh, We keep setting records for border crossings. And the new Border Patrol chief says it's uh, actually intentional herding by the cartels to cover for their other activities. The solution prompted by, uh, well, all your uh, your your friends up in New York there. They're not your friends, I guess. But, uh, you know, the Eric Adams and the Kathy Hochul's 
prompted by them, we're going to give 500, no, 200,000. Let me, I get all the numbers confused because there are so many big numbers with immigration, but 200,000 Venezuelans are going to be given temporary protection so that they can work in New York without fear of deportation. Uh, how temporary do you think this program will be? As, as, as temporary as every other government program, mm. it's here to stay. And for all whatever the whatever the cartels are doing to mask their their activities under the the guise of an invasion. I mean, what is it? It's an invasion one way or another. So whatever cartels may be doing to take advantage of the chaos, it there is very obvious complicity within our own government. I mean, that's just it. So I don't care what the cartels are doing. This is something that the government wants to have to happen. You're not supposed to use the word cartel, but uh, as we heard in the intro, we'll get to later in the show. Peter Ducey asked Corinne Jean-Pierre what word we're supposed to use. Uh, the answer is but Republicans, apparently. <laughs> so it's not an invasion at the border. It's but Republicans at the border. Uh, later in the show, we have hoax hate, of course. Plus, uh, we won't do a movie review tonight in Blonde's absence, but Fl uh, Frank wants to talk aliens a bit. So we'll see what that's about. I don't even know, but I look okay. forward to that segment. And uh, we'll catch up with your super chats, of course, in between topics 10 bucks and up on the Sunday show. Because we are no good low-down money grabbers, it will be all this and more in your favorite couple hours of listening material. Remember, you can find everything show-related and support the show for as little as a buck a month over on the website. That is mattchristensenmedia.com, or as I informed you on, on your show on Monday, mattis.gay. Our audience is quite familiar with that, but it was fun to break the news to you. Uh Listener support is hugely appreciated, and it is what keeps the show operational. So if you enjoy the show, please he consider heading on over to the website and supporting the show. We also have show merchandise for sale as well. Plus, we have offers from friendly listener-owned businesses as well. This week's feature business is our friends at Kineo Mountain Woodsmithing. These are high-quality, handmade, premium hardwood cutting boards, charcuterie boards, serving trays, and more, all constructed with the materials and craftsmanship to last a lifetime. And the best part about Kineo Mountain's work, it's all customizable, not just in the selection of materials and shapes and colors, but in custom engraving, too. Blake at Kineo Mountain made me a cutting board engraved with my channel logo, and it looks incredible. It's a one-of-a-kind personalized addition to our kitchen that we use nearly every day, and it hasn't aged a bit. And don't forget, Kineo Mountain can handle any sort of woodworking from small table trays to bigger furniture projects. So if you're looking for a personalized gift for someone special or bigger mm. items to customize your home, make it fine hardwood craftsmanship from Kineo Mountain Woodsmithing. I can see Frank already contemplating his future kitchen. Thinking about all the soft cheese. Yes. That I can, I can just spread out there. The, uh, what, what is a main? What is a main? A mainstay on your charcuterie board? What are you going uh, with? The, the cheddar's crumble uh, cheese. What? Uh sharp cheddar, specifically in our mm. family. Got to have grapes. I would say there's got to be some meat offering. You can go with a classic salami or something like that. Make all the jokes that you will, but that is what goes on a charcuterie board around here. Anyway. Uh, it is the absolute highest quality woodworking that will last you forever. Check them out. KineoWood.com. That's K-I-N-E-O wood.com. Of course, listeners of this show get 10% off all Kineo Mountain Woodsmithing products and services using promo code MATT10 at checkout. That's promo code MATT10 for 10% off everything from Kineo Mountain Woodsmithing. Find everything you need from Kineo Mountain plus other great offers from the rest of our friendly listener-owned businesses like Hero Soap Company, Western Razor Company, Sonoran Defense Technologies, and more 
That's at mattchristensenmedia.com slash deals. Deals by listeners, for listeners, and don't forget, all three of our signature soaps from yours truly and blonde are available from Hero Soap Company. You can try Timberline and Old West, or you can try Blonde's Oat Plus Almond, or try all three. Plus, Hero Soap is also offering shampoo and conditioner. Promo code MC Listener for 10% off. Everything at HeroSoapCompany.com. The oat almond sounds good. Oh, you see, you got to try my design Timberline. That is the meme of the show. Not to discredit Blonde's uh, excellent soap offering, but the double menthol on mine has inspired many chat jokes about uh, the various applications of the cooling effect. Are you going to put that on your genitals? <laughs> that was never my intent, but that is the uh, the accusation of. You have of to the think end. about what the internet is going to say, Matt, before you do anything that you want to do. Hey, Matt, that's number one. Your your show was Monday. This is my show. All right. <laughs> More information at mattchristensenmedia.com slash deals as well. A couple of announcements here before we get uh, into the news uh, and uh, and the rest of tonight's offerings, but. Um, uh, I mentioned it uh, the last couple of weeks, but I want to make sure people are aware because uh, it's it's coming up on Friday already. Season two of Bible study. We're starting uh, with a short introduction on Genesis, and then the majority of the study will be on Acts. You can find all the information on the Bible study page on my website, linked on the homepage, or find it at mattchristiansandmedia.com slash Bible dash study. Hope to see you then Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern time. Remember, you don't have to participate live to uh, participate in Bible study, you can listen to it in a podcast format, though it is interactive for people who join the call. Uh, and um, and again, uh, po- the Bible study page of the website for all the information. Hope to see you on Friday. Uh, no call-in show this week because Blonde is out, so nothing on Wednesday. We'll see you back on Sunday, October 1st. We'll be back to normal then. And without further ado, because I've made Frank wait so patiently, I want to make sure that people who may not be familiar with Frank and quite frankly, uh, know where, well, know who you are and where to find your stuff. So what's going on with quite frankly, sir? Well, first of all, just, I want to say thank you again. But the, the last time we did this, I think it was in 2020 or something like that. I filled in for blonde who is indispensable, obviously. Um, and now she's, I heard she's in Japan. Good for her. Yeah. Good for her. It's very, very rare I leave New York, but good for her. It's an honor to be here live on mattis.gay. And uh, and whoever does your music intros, the, the music media cuts, Matt, that's that's wonderful. Oh, well, thank you. Um, that's that's yours truly, the one employee around here. Wow. No, that's not true. I have some help from some people on some other things, but the, the musical intros are all mine. I was going to say that those are really good mashups, and uh, it, I know that th- that takes time. So, but as far as quite frankly goes, it's a nightly show for current events and human condition. Um, dare I say, conspiracy theory and whatever the hell else pops up in between. Having a good time, and uh, of course, I've I really enjoyed getting to know you over the years. So, thank you again for choosing me to fill in some very big shoes. Of course, man, I admire your show and. Uh... I've enjoyed it for a long time. My uh, my wife has enjoyed it for a long time too, and so it's always a pleasure to listen to. And I hope people will check it out. It's it's uh, dedication, man. It's a it's a daily show, Monday through Friday, and there's weekend content too. So Frank is is working extra hard, and you can find that at uh, quite frankly TV. There's always something playing, even when they're not live, over at quite frankly 
TV. So thanks yes, for the I, just, I, just, I actually just set up a new shower cam this weekend. So after the show <laughs> ends tonight, you can watch me take a shower. <laughs> All right. And, uh, always like the thing I appreciate about your show and enjoy about your show too. Yes, it's the politics and the events of the day. But if you want to get into the deeper, I, I don't say this. Uh, I say this as a compliment. Understand. You want to get into the deeper tinfoil. You want to get into like the more abstract concepts and 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 guess with really interesting things to say that you're not going to hear in a lot of other places. Uh, go to Frank's show. And that's one reason that uh, my wife has enjoyed the show for so long, too. My wife loves that kind of stuff that is just like that's the only spot you're going to hear it. That's a thought I haven't heard before. You will find that sort of stuff on Quite Frankly. Well, your wife has been very gracious and I, I just love how we all become friends and, uh, and thanks again. It should be, it should be really fun tonight and I'm looking forward to it. All right. Well, uh, onto the very serious news then, uh, I have to call him the man formerly known as, I think it's Gage Grosskreutz. I've always said Grosskreutz, but Grosskreutz is the proper pronunciation of his ex name. Apparently this guy has more lives than a cat. Uh, and they got his they got his good arm this time. I don't know if you noticed, but he has a cast on his left arm after this incident. Still did not die. If you don't remember the name Gage Grosskreutz, you will certainly remember the image of his bicep being blown off by Kyle Rittenhouse after Gage pursued Kyle down the street, pointed a gun in Kyle's face when Kyle was knocked down and during that fateful night in Kenosha. I say the man formerly known as Gage because uh, he has revealed himself once again through this story and apparently changed his name to protect himself from all of you right wing extremists seeking uh, to do him harm, uh, he says. Uh, so he probably trying to protect himself from re recruiters, you know, <laughs> job recruiters, if everyone to get a job again. <laughs> well, there is a fundraising aspect to this. And much like his. Uh, the state of his arms. It's not going well, I suppose. Uh, not a lot of money raised so far, but it's still early. Uh, so he, he returns to the news in this story. The reporter just says he's a man who, who prefers to remain anonymous. Further investigation by Kevin Mathewson over at the Kenosha Eye reveals Gage's new name is Paul Prediger. Uh, one commenter, uh, top comment on this story, I would say, is the guy who who demands to know why would he knowingly change his initials to PP? That's a fair question. <laughs> right. I think you have to ask. I don't know what Paul Prediger means. Uh, it it, it, it sounds it sounds like an H.H. H. Holmes alias. Uh, yeah. I, yeah, maybe. I assume he, he was intentional with the choice of this name, uh, but I have no idea what he means by it. Um. The the author who investigated the new name, Kevin Mathewson, it should be noted, he's a, he's the founder of the Kenosha Guard. He was actually out on patrol or watch with Kyle Rittenhouse that night. So he's also involved in this kind of indirectly. But uh, but what actually happened to Gage, now known as Mr. PP? He was crossing the intersection of Brady Street and Warren Avenue in Milwaukee. He was rightfully in the crosswalk, in fairness to him. A car blows through the intersection, turning left and hits him pushing him onto the hood and then under the car, leaving Gage with even more serious injuries. Now to be safe with, uh, from uh, Neil Mahan's censorship on, on YouTube, I blurred the moment of impact as well as Gage growing, uh, going to the ground after the impact. But here's the story uh, from a local news station. Just trying to stay awake and stay awake until the ambulance could arrive. 
This man who asked us not to use his name was walking along Brady Street Saturday, September 2nd at 9 p.m. when he went to cross Warren Avenue. I looked to my right and saw a car that was had their blinker on and they were presumably waiting for me to go through the crosswalk. A nearby surveillance camera captured what happened next. A silver SUV swerved around that car, quickly turned left and slammed right into him. I went on top of the hood um, and then was dragged under and stuck underneath the vehicle for a good 20 feet. The man says he spent several days in the hospital with a lacerated liver and multiple broken bones. Damn. Unfortunately, at this time, we haven't heard anything back from Milwaukee Police Department, but it's our hope that with the information that we provided that they'll be able to, to move forward in this investigation. So there's somebody was trying to time this. Uh, yeah, this, was, this was not just a guy tr just trying to just just driving and just it happened to hit this guy. It's really confusing. They were trying to time this. Yeah, I don't know the level of intent. If you watch the footage, there is a car trying to turn left and appears that car is yielding to gauge by the look of it. And this other car that hits him just goes around that car and takes the left at full speed. Anyway, maybe this guy did know it was gauge. I don't know. Uh, that, wait, this, is the, this is the driver, Marvin Thomas. Yes. Yeah, that's that's the he guy. doesn't know gauge. No, this, uh, this I, was just a, a night out for him. Yeah, I, that that would probably be my guess. But I have to laugh at uh, defund the police guy complaining about the lack of police resources to investigate his case as well. Um, and then, yeah, I, I, I'd be curious now since the the taping of that story, this guy has been identified. Marvin Thomas, um, obviously a suspect of color here. And Marvin Thomas has been charged with two felonies uh, related to this incident. Uh, is Gage going to uphold the systemic racism that contributes to disproportionate incarceration of black men? Or is he going to drop his, his case now? I, I don't know. Sorry, Paul. I, I keep calling him Gage, but it's Paul. Now. He's, he's between, a, he's between a, uh, a rock and a hard place right now. You're right. Yes. Uh, very difficult dilemma. Uh, now, I did mention... Um, that Gage is trying to fundraise off of this and it does not appear to be going particularly well as of, uh, well, I could refresh. I don't think the number is going to change. So as of right now, $1,450 raised, uh, but he's only trying to get 2,500 bucks, I guess. Um, so it, it looks like, uh, with the GoFundMe campaign, uh, as with the communism, he usually dabbles in, it doesn't pay. Um, you will recall, <laughs> Gage saying long live the revolution after his unfortunate biceps incident. Long live the revolution. Long live the revolution! All right, well, the revolution's going to need some more money by the look of it. What is $2,500 going to get you? If you needed even just an x-ray, what the hell is it? What is the amount $2,500 for? Very little. Um, I... I I received a medical bill myself recently for a, the, a health episode we've discussed on the stream, but is way too detailed to get into now for an ultrasound that was necessary. Um, it was a lot of money. It, it, I was shocked by the bill that I received. Yeah, that's not that's that's nothing. So, I, it's, no, no, no that, that's very odd in itself. I want to interview him and ask him about that. If you can get gauge, I really do. Oh, my God. Or yeah, Paul. well, Peter or whatever. Yeah, Paul? But, uh, Mr. Predator. Yeah. You mentioned um, you, you had the you sent me this. Uh, what is it? A 4chan post here or something about uh, Kyle's case that you thought was relevant to the uh, the, the, the development here. 
Yes, because you, when you see what hap- what's happened to all the people involved in the Kyle Rittenhouse uh, case, you see either all of these real um, these deviants, societal deviants that lost their lives or their biceps that night. And here is Kyle, who, you know, he just showed superhuman ability in a time where, I mean, he was really outnumbered and and looking things were going wrong. Gross Cruz was a big part of this really incredible string of synchronicities that were popping up at this time. And on the uh, the 29th of August, 2020, somebody took to 4chan to say, Kyle is literally a saint. And they said as follows, and I sent you the screenshot. You can right, put yeah. up if you want. Yeah, I got so it. guys, I'm not even religious, but how can this be anything other than divine intervention? He shoots a pedo in the dick. He shoots a burglar in the arm. He shoots a wife strangler in the lungs. Also, the guy who tries to kill him is named Grosskreutz, literally means big cross. Kyle literally defeated the cross like Jesus did. Kyle is from Antioch, which is part of the Holy Land in the Crusades. If you Google St. Kyle, there is a Catholic saint, which is also named Kyle. That is Saint of Kenosha, of Fife. That's Kenosha, Kenosha. It's all that, so even that goes together. Whoa, okay. He also cleared, cleared a malfunction in his gun shot the burglar in the arm in under two seconds, literally one second before being executed, all while on the ground and whilst turning around. Kyle's a good shot, but that was literally impossible. Furthermore, after defending himself, he gets up, walks away with his back turned toward the evil mob. No one dares harm him. Someone was protecting him from above. It can't be coincidence. And whereas that kind of, that kind of, you know, that that was his fate. There was a protective bubble around him Grosskreutz, on the other hand, you know, this would be a little bit more, this would be less interesting if it was targeted, you know, if this, if the driver actually was waiting for him to cross a crosswalk to get him, the fact that this is just by, it looks like it just could be by chance. It probably I is. Just, yeah, it probably I is. know. I know. And there you go. One so person. I, well, I was going to say, if, if Kyle is a saint of some sort, then what does that make gauge? And originally I was thinking like demon or something. But that wouldn't be appropriate in that analogy. It would just be like he's he's not even is I guess is he evil or is he just impossibly unlucky or both? I guess they're not mutually exclusive. I don't know. He could be somewhere in the category under Barabbas or something like that. Who knows? I I wouldn't give him I wouldn't give him the the status of demon or evil or anything like that. But um, he's just not a just not a very significant. It's not a very significant character, but one that a significant character can be held up in contrast to and find a really, uh, really good story to be told. Well, all the best to to Paul in his fundraising yeah. efforts. Take care, Paul. Uh, you know who else is uh, terrible at fundraising? Project Veritas. I, I'm absolutely shocked that absent James O'Keefe, they lasted what something like, uh, I don't know, five months or maybe it was he was when was he actually ousted sometime in the spring? They lasted about half a year. Without James yeah. O'Keefe, and I know the circumstances of his departure are somewhat disputed. We've heard both sides of that dispute on this show. But I think what was indisputable and easily predictable was it doesn't matter if if O'Keefe was right or Veritas was right in that dispute. Without O'Keefe, Veritas doesn't exist. They're not going to be able to raise money. They're done. And that is what Project Veritas is saying now. They're saying that they're ceasing operations. The CEO, Hannah Giles or Giles, is citing financial ruin as the reason 
Apparently, they simply could not fundraise, and um, so they're ending fundraising operations as well. They have let go of all of their uh, journalist staff. They're they're hanging on to a staff of about 10 people doing what I don't even understand, since they're not going to make the product that they typically do, uh, it sounds like. So they're hang- I guess they're hanging on for closing time operations or whatever's going on. I don't know why they're retaining these 10 people, but they are. Uh, but James O'Keefe actually responded to this personally. And he says that uh, Project Veritas has served him with a lawsuit summons and he posted video of himself at his home receiving this document. United States District Court, Project Veritas versus James O'Keefe summons in civil action. A lawsuit has been filed against you. So this is apparently a federal lawsuit that they left on the door stopped there. The company that I founded, when I left, there was something to the effect of between six and eight million dollars cash on hand. They've apparently spent all of it, raising almost no money at all since they ousted me. Now, I'm confused <laughs> on the claim. Do you have a thought? Go ahead. No, but I mean that right there. If that is the you're talking about his claim, the, I'm about talking about the, the lawsuit claim. I'm I'm definitely okay. not confused about why Project Veritas is sucking. But uh, what what I'm confused about on the lawsuit claim is that uh, Veritas was already known to be suing O'Keefe. That was that was filed and published back in May, and it's about that lawsuit is a federal lawsuit. It's about O'Keefe supposedly violating the non disparagement clause of his employment contract. But the lawsuit in this case has the same lawyers on it as the ones that O'Keefe referenced in that video, if you watch the full version of it. And so I don't really, uh, is, is, is O'Keefe saying the same lawyers brought a new lawsuit or is he referring to the old lawsuit that was dropped off at his door for some reason? I'm confused about what the suit actually is and it's not really explained. Yeah, the- well, when you put it that way, I, I don't know either. I don't know either. I think it's um, uh, obviously they had to have known that by ousting him, there was it was just going to be a matter of time. So uh, that's why a lot of people were wondering if this is going on, then what is the real inside baseball reason for getting rid of James O'Keefe? Um, is it is it uh, one of many interesting and um, very strong factors going into an election year? where they want to make sure that every kind of very magnetic form of red pilling dissent to really anything that anybody that puts sufficient amount of spotlight on how the world has really worked, how the the political, you know, shadow shadow puppet game really is all being worked behind the scenes that they got to kneecap him in some way. Obviously, there is no future for a project Veritas without him. So perhaps it's just. Let's cut him off at the knees, make it a little bit harder for him to get started. And there's a little bit less on him. The brand is officially dead. They obviously have siphoned the six to eight million dollars out. And 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 then I don't know. I mean, they're, they're, everybody seems to be suing everybody that they want. They want to be distracted for the next 12 months or so. I, so. I will have my lawyers serve you by the end of this stream. I assure you. <laughs> that's, what it, that's what it seems. I wish I had a lawyer. That's, <laughs> I wish I had a lawyer. You know, that will just do whatever I want. Can you uh, please serve this? Is yeah. that a, a legitimate serving, though? You can't well, just leave it. it. Don't you put it in their hands? Yeah, see, that's what I don't understand. It's really weird to just leave documents at the door. He says that someone was banging on it earlier. I 
I'm guessing this video might just be a little bit of O'Keefe showmanship, actually, which is fine. He is a showman guy, um, but I'm not sure what what the new fact that's being alleged is here. But it doesn't matter. The fact remains whether it, it, it originated in May or it's originating now. Project Veritas is suing James O'Keefe. So we'll mm-hmm. have to watch that. Um, here's another thing to question the motive behind, though. Uh, I would say shocking news of the week and buried at the end of the day on Friday. California Governor Gavin Newsom has vetoed legislation that would have required courts to consider uh, to consider a child's gender identity on whether or not uh, and whether or not a parent affirms it when deciding child custody cases. So, in other words, if you're a dad and you're in some kind of uh, dispute with your wife, you're going through a divorce, whatever. Your wife thinks that your son is trans and wants to transition him and you don't. A judge in California would be required to consider the fact that you are against the transitioning of that child in deciding the child custody in that particular proceeding. So uh, Scott Weiner, the uh, the 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 state senator in California, who's always uh, authoring the most degenerate bills, he's very mad about this and says, you know, uh, we have to stand up for these trans kids. Uh, right-wing politicians are working to out them, even though it's not right-wing politicians who'd be punished here. It's the parents of the kids. Uh, you know, as always, Scott Weiner is convinced he could raise your kids better than you can. But Gavin Newsom himself issued a statement with just a couple generic points to explain his veto. He says he urges caution with laws that would require the judicial branch to use one single factor of analysis. He says this standard could be used to harm vulnerable communities. He also said the law is unneeded because existing law already requires judges to consider a child's wealth, safety and welfare in custody proceedings. So I only have two theories as to why he would do this. Uh, Do you have any explanations that jump out to you? No, Hmm. no. uh, Other than other than it's it's always just going to be about optics moving into perhaps a a new phase of his political career because. I mean, California, they will, I mean, they, they pretty much decriminalized knowingly giving somebody a wasting disease. Like they say AIDS is, you know, to, to do things like that. And and of course, someone like Scott Weiner, he's the first one to put his pen, his name to any legislation that is going to make a child a little bit more vulnerable to, uh, to predators and gleefully they do it. So, and on the other hand, these this is a, a party both in regional state and national on a national scene that is very more than willing to go and do superfluous almost like you know almost like double up on things just to be able to and pass legislation that is you don't need to do it anymore like the anti lynching bill which is pretty much to make mm-hmm. murder murder illegal again but yeah. they just want people to see them doing something so. I don't know. The veto is just as much as a performance as everything else that they do. Yeah. The question is what who to who's it serving in the end? Yeah, I think uh, you hit on on one of the two that I could that I can see. If he is prepping or even perpetuating his uh, what is believed to be his shadow campaign for the presidency, maybe he just doesn't want the fresh pro trans anti parent baggage. It could be as simple as that. I've heard some people speculate that this law would have actually had a very difficult pathway when challenged in court. And if you take if he thinks that he's actually thinking long term about forwarding the transgender agenda, 
This one is one that is likely to fail, thus doing damage to the transgender agenda. And so he's actually trying to protect the trans agenda from its own excesses by making sure it doesn't have a court failure. I don't know. Um, I, I would bet it's the it's the presidential aspiration angle, though, especially given Biden's poll numbers over the weekend and how rough this is looking, even up against Trump. It is looking very, very bad for this man. And I wouldn't be surprised to see Democrats trying to replace him. Then again, um, how thrilling of a candidate is Gavin Newsom anyway? Uh, oh, I yeah. I don't know. Maybe that's Patrick Bateman. I love the Patrick Bateman memes yeah. with him because it's very true. I would love to see his morning his morning hygiene routines. But, you know, speaking about uh, Biden's poll numbers, I don't know how you could ever cast any kind of shadow of a doubt on how strong he is. Haven't you seen him do his quad stretching? No, I've have only heard of the do... push-ups. I've not seen the quad routine. Oh, you've not seen him do yeah. a standing one-leg quad stretch? There's this one shot quad of him. Quad stretch? I thought you were going to talk about like a pistol squat or something, you know, something oh, tough. Oh, get pistol squat. <laughs> yeah, I mean, please. His, his hip quad would break stretch. apart. Yeah. His right. hip would break apart like one of those blooming onions at uh, at uh, Outback Steakhouse <sighs> yeah. if he did a, a pistol squat. But I'm talking about, did you see the picture of, of him standing up and grabbing his left leg, his left um, his left foot and bending it back to stretch his quad? No. And his one shot of him standing on one leg for a moment, just to take that shot, has been tweeted out by every paid shill on Twitter, like that <laughs> Brooklyn dad asshole and the rest of them. They uh, they tweeted out there going, they say, my God, I can't even do this. I can't even do <laughs> the this. Flexibility, like, the vitality. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Look at the vitality here. Yeah. It's like, it's like, uh, yeah. That's it. Yeah, you can't you can't stretch your quad like an octogenarian who's barely holding on to consciousness. He you has sad. He has been drinking his baby smoothies. I believe it. He, that is a healthy man for his age. Uh, anyway, um, the pile of non-evidence just keeps adding up to zero. And uh, you, you want to talk about the repetition of certain uh, online personalities or media personalities. Of course, we have Biden vitality, but we also have no evidence. No evidence. I don't know what evidence you've ever seen that Hunter Biden and Joe Biden are linked entities in any way, particularly when it relates to the business dealings of the president's son. Well, this week, the number of iOS, uh, IRS whistleblowers alleging that Hunter Biden was given preferential or beneficial treatment in David Weiss's investigation has doubled from two to four. Recall, we already heard testimony from Gary Shapley and Joseph Ziegler saying, among other things, that David Weiss told them he didn't get the final say in any charging decision for Hunter, despite Attorney General Merrick Garland saying that Weiss had the full authority to do whatever he wanted. Well, this week it was revealed that IRS Field Operations Director Michael Batdorf, that's probably mispronounced, but we'll go with that. Michael Batdorf told congressional investigators that the DOJ's tax division opposed charging Hunter Biden. Batdorf said it was his understanding that Weiss could not bring charges against Hunter Biden without the authorization of the DOJ tax division. Later in the week, it was revealed that IRS agent Daryl Walden testified in support of uh, Gary Shapley's allegations that U.S. attorneys in California and D.C., where Weiss wanted to bring charges against Hunter, uh, that those U.S. attorneys blocked Weiss's effort to do that or at least refused to participate, thus denying Weiss jurisdiction so pretty soon uh, we'll be hearing that. Uh, sure, the, the prosecution of the president's son was obstructed, but uh, what does Hunter have to do with his dad, uh, the head of the executive branch? Nothing, nothing at all to do with him in any capacity whatsoever. No evidence that Hunter 
has anything to do with uh, his dad, Joe, who, of course, is the, the president that oversees this Justice Department. But not really uh, new news there, just confirmation of old news. But the uh, the numbers are adding up despite what they describe as a sum of zero. Yeah, well, I guess we're going to be able to see the impact that this has on the election, right? That everybody says that the that you know the suppression of the story in itself to be able to see the patterns of that again in 2020 that is also was running alongside of the complicity and like the the, the, the very enthusiastic involvement of the intelligence services where they would come in and pen these ridiculous letters and say that this is all from Russia and all that stuff. Well, they said that that was anybody who, I don't know, living on the surface of all this stuff is uh, they said that that was the reason why, big reason why that Joe Biden was able to beat Donald Trump in the 2020 election. Well, I mean, if that's the edge, then that must be completely gone for 2024. No, obviously, I don't think that that was the edge. Uh, it, it was it was sick to watch the the media go so balls deep on all this stuff with with the censorship and all that. But Hey, uh, since then there's no, there's no hiding. I mean, the text messages, the emails, the voicemails alone, it's just, there's nothing. Uh, yeah. Let all the whistleblowers come. The question is, is there anybody that has the, uh, the authority to do anything? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Well, yeah. And, and the ultimate authority of course would be with the voter in a properly functioning society. Uh, is that going to be the case or are we going to watch uh, another heavily fortified election to, uh, to reach the correct result? Uh, it's going to be a, a, a fun show to watch and, you know, as fun as the collapse of your country could be, but I am, uh, I've, I've, I've accepted the fate of, uh, of, of these things at this point. And I, I treat them as entertainment mostly. And I try to enjoy them in that way. If that's not well, at least you're already in. At least you're already in Montana. Yeah. You're you're in the right state now. All you have to do is just build yourself the shanty uh, next to the Unabomber's place in the woods and yeah. just completely disappear into the bush. You know, altogether, it, it's not far. And if things get really bad, uh, I I hope that you'll head westward. I remember seeing a little while ago those like Frank as John Dutton memes, and I was thinking, oh, is he actually going to come to Montana? Uh, yeah, and, I'm taking over all the ranches out yeah, there. I'm yeah, going to yeah. do it. Uh, when, when you are ready to to live that uh, Unabomber life, you know where to find me. And we, we have a future that way. Uh, well, I know how to find you. Well, You're um, going to have to give me some kind of like a, a debloom from the Goonies or something to find you in the Yeah, woods. I'll leave you with like a treasure hunt map. You know, like it, we'll figure it out. Okay. Yeah. Uh, last last little short topic here before we talk about uh, Mr. Menendez, Senator Menendez and his gold bars. Um, the, the, we got the prospect of a government shutdown looming, of course. Uh, and I know many of us are worried <laughs> or not you, I, I, some of us are excited, but for those of us who are worried, you're, you're wondering, you know, what, what government services or financial streams might cease? What might I be losing out on? Don't worry. Essential government functions never quit. And what government function is more essential than giving money and other resources to Ukraine? According to Politico. The Pentagon has exempted Ukraine operations from a potential government shutdown from the story, quote, the move means that the U.S. military's activities related to the war, such as training of Ukrainian soldiers on American tactics and equipment, as well as shipments of weapons to Kiev, will continue despite any potential shutdown. Typically, when the government shuts down, all military activities stop unless they are deemed critical to national security 
In other words, you're saying this is not critical to national security, by the way. By law, the Pentagon chief can make exceptions to activities suspended under a government shutdown. So I guess the argument, uh, once again, is it's fine if unelected bureaucrats run our country without accountability, so long as Congress said it's okay in some generically worded bill like 30 years ago. That's fine. And Congress loves it because Congress can just deflect responsibility and uh, and head on home and say it was someone else's fault that that happened. Yeah, it's it's like this. The War Powers Act, everybody talks about the War Powers Act and and whenever there is a president in in office that that uh, the establishment doesn't fully support and blow nightly, they will they will say, well, Congress, we want to be able to. we want to be able to uh, amend the War Powers Act to make sure that it's harder for the president to act unilaterally in blowing our military. Oh, OK. Well, you didn't have as Congress, you didn't have the authority in the first place to create the War Powers Act. So whatever authority you're wrestling back, it's just all moot. It's all it does. It doesn't matter. It's it, it's it's just null and void when you when you uh, apply it. So everything is just a game. We're talking about days of our lives kind of fantasy at this point. But uh, if everybody lives the fantasy, then it's real. Yeah. And if, um, if there is aspects of the way our government functions that I wish I could ask the constitutional framers about, I, I, I wonder what their opinions would be. This is one of those where it's like, let's say Congress. I know this is an exaggeration, but Congress routinely writes these laws that almost say this guy can do whatever he wants, at least about that particular topic. Congress punts its authority on this to that guy. Um, Was that ever, does Congress have the power to defer its own authority? And, and if not, can we get some clearer language about that sort of thing? I suppose. Yeah. The clearer language is the, the amendment process. Hmm. If you, if, if that's it, you have to amend the constitution. It is incredibly hard to do so. I don't know how the hell you're ever going to find the consensus to do that now ever again. That's why I'll always laugh when people are like, well, you need to repeal or amend the second amendment. Yeah. Okay. You're, 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 you can barely, you can barely get a vote together on daylight savings time. What the hell you, you understand it's amending the constitution is not a simple majority vote, which is why uh, it's all about changing the culture and the mindset of people, you know, the civic culture, it has to change through, media through how they're being educated through the precedent that's being set in the media and also in uh in in through lawfare and all that stuff as long as people are able to be groomed into thinking that everything that is done by congress through majority rule or done through the courts uh by executive fiat and then challenges to a supreme court that is purely ideologically driven um as long as that is the the uh the world view that is accepted that that's just it there is no we are living in a post-constitutional world and it's just a whole bunch of bad habits and fantasy that's driving us as far as the ukraine thing goes i really i've been tipping my cap to to uh, putin for a long time as far as showing restraint because i mean this is it's not this is the worst proxy war we have ever seen in our lifetimes it's, once you start learning about how we we act clandestinely around the world and what one conflict really means and who we back, and sometimes there are some wars out there where we're backing everybody in the same battlefield, fighting against ourselves to see who's. It's just um, this is the worst proxy war we have ever ever been behind, and it's just I give Putin a lot of pre- uh, credit for not wanting to just uh, 
turn the entire world into glass. It's well, it's incredible. Now that you love Putin, you're really filling blonde shoes nicely. So let me ask you about the uh, are you a fan of the shirtless horse rides? Does that do it for you? Oh, that turns me on immensely. Excellent. You're all right. You're like one slur away from really filling the role tonight. What do you and, want me to say, man? No, just tell I, me. I'm just, I'm just I laugh because I, I know that you're I, I gather that you're sincere. I'm not even disputing the point. I just like when worlds collide in that way. That's all. OK. What about G and the Chinese? Last question. What about them? I don't know. I don't see no praise, no love. No, I see. Oh, OK. I mean, the Chinese, it's, it's something very it's interesting for me. Because you're talking about a culture that, despite all the abuse in the last hundred years or so of 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 uh, communism, which was pretty much drafted on the, uh, I mean, we we can talk about the the origins of communism and how it was exported and how it was first weaponized to take down Russia and your, the New World Order and all that stuff. Early early attempts to communize the world, but um, it took root in China. And a lot of abuse going on out there, but you're talking about ancient culture that's never really lost its its connection to to what they've they've done for thousands of years. So on a cultural standpoint, I give them credit for not losing that, um, not losing that that touch there. As far as now, I don't know. Um, they are only as powerful as they are because of us. Uh, our trade, the traders that run this country, especially for the last however many decades especially since the World War II, when we when we stabbed Shanghai Shek in the back and our State Department allowed them to uh, to become pretty much uh, vassals of what we're dealing with even today. It's just like, what, what do you trust? I don't trust them. I don't trust them at all. I give them some credit for what they do out there. Then again, there's a lot of bad things that they do out there too. And I don't care about them. I generally don't care about a lot of people, Matt. That's the big thing. See, they, um, all right. Now you're hitting the points again. Thank you. <laughs> I generally don't care about a lot of people. And yeah. I just like caring about what is the most immediately affecting me. And that's what this whole experiment over here was supposed to be. Um, you know, you, you get stuck in the mud talking about one thing or another, China, Russia, Israel. But what about this one? What about that one? I don't care about any of them. I, I think they can all if they if anybody can't sink or swim on their own, they don't deserve to exist. So um, let's just take care of ourselves. And I hate it all. I really do. Fair enough. See, this is a man who can lead a show. I love that. I can just go China, your thoughts, and there will be an encyclopedia's worth of knowledge delivered. Well, so. I wouldn't be surprised. What would you think about their their economic situation? Because all I hear from people who really obsess about finances, which I'm that's not my strong suit. Is that China's going down? They are a paper tiger, and that they are showing just uh, they're showing you cooked books, and that yeah, I, I uh, that would be an area of knowledge and expertise outside my wheelhouse, of course. But okay. uh, in general terms, am I going to uh, be skeptical of anybody who is centrally planning anything to the degree that the Chinese are? Yeah, of course. Yeah, you got that much central control trying to dominate that many that many people, you're going to have plans that have gone awry. You're going to have resources mismanaged. You're going to have lots of uh, mistakes made by individuals or a small group of people that are going to affect masses of people. So um, concentration camps as well. Um, well, I guess that goes with the concentrated authority, it seems. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I can't tell you 
uh, to have some, I, I can't claim to have some detailed knowledge of, of Chinese history and all that. But uh, I, I see enough from afar to know that uh, I, I, I would, I would tend to, to think that those predictions that it's all, uh, it's all a presentation that it's all an image as far as their strength. I would, I would probably buy into that. Yeah. I don't, I, I think it's projection rather than something authentic, but we envy them though. Our, our, you know, in 2020, when the, when the, uh, the lockdowns began, obviously there was a lot either for all the blaming we did to China. We also pushed a lot of stuff. Um, you know, they say if this came from China and all that stuff. Nobody's ever came around to saying, hey, all the CCTV footage that we got from China of people falling flat in their face that we proliferated around here. Uh, that was all nonsense. And we, you know, th- we still we still have not doubled back on any of that stuff. We also we also have really watched them closely with how uh, we, we invest a lot in them in a biological standpoint. We love the fact that the Chinese have very low ethical standards. So we, we, we fund a lot of things over there because we can get away from American prying eyes. Um, we have all, like I said before, the, the Clinton administration gave, you know, caught them up militarily, technologically with us big time. Uh, we don't care that they've been stealing technology from American entrepreneurs for a long time. We don't care that they devalue steel by flooding the market with their cheap shit. We don't care. I mean, it, it, we don't care that they're buying up so much valuable real estate here in the United States. I would, I would, uh, man, you want to talk about, you want to talk about where we should be concentrated. I would be kicking out all foreign influence. Oh, there's so much here going on. Would you you use a catapult to do it though? There's no catapult that can throw somebody across an ocean. Oh, so what would you, what what direction? (laughs) Sorry. I'm just trying to ask you, blonde themed questions that's all but would uh, you throw them into the ocean uh I, I i don't know that that would be her preference uh something a little more gruesome i think but uh it it, it would suffice i would say for a lot of applications i gotta talk to blonde more often yeah. <laughs> you guys probably it would be an interesting conversation man uh we should i know we had that cut we had the the election day mashup but yeah it'd be interesting to hear you guys uh j- speak uh you know just just the two of you but anyway um before the top of the hour, I want to leave enough time for this Menendez scandal, if you're ready to talk about that. Because it, uh, it is still news for the moment. And we'll see how long the, uh, the indictment of a sitting Democrat senator for corruption holds the interest of the media. But it is being discussed, at least over the weekend. Senator Bob Menendez, the senior senator from New Jersey, now former chairman of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, or at least temporarily not the chairman. For the moment of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, he's now federally charged for his foreign relations. Ironically, Uh, U.S. Attorney Damian Williams in the Southern District of New York unveiled the charges on Friday. It's a three count indictment against Menendez and his wife, Nadine, alleging a scheme of bribery and corruption. The charges specifically are conspiracy to commit bribery, conspiracy to commit honest services fraud and conspiracy to commit extortion. The uh, allegedly corrupt relationship is with three New Jersey businessmen also charged in the case. Names are difficult here, so bear with me. While Hanna, Jose Uribe, and Fred Daibis. Uh, allegedly, the businessmen provided the Menendezes with financial benefits and other perks, including cash, gold bars, and luxury cars in exchange for personal protection enrichment and beneficial policy, or at least attempted beneficial policy decisions for Egypt. 
the Menendez residence was actually searched in June and investigators discovered $480,000 in cash, some of which was still in envelopes inside the pockets of jackets embroidered with Senator Menendez, as in, here I am at the official function in my senatorial jacket. Someone hands me an envelope of cash and I stash it in the pocket and leave it in my closet that way, I guess. Um, some of the cash and the gold had DNA and fingerprints of Fred Diabes on it, one of the guys uh, who's also charged uh, accused of bribing the senator. Serial numbers on the gold bars also connect them to prior ownership of this Fred Diabes. Uribe gave the Menendez's a Mercedes car in 2019, allegedly in exchange for the Menendez's help in interfering with a New Jersey criminal investigation into his associate. As far as the third man, while Hanna, he won a lucrative contract with the Egyptian government and frequently arranged meetings between Egyptian officials and the Menendez's. Prosecutors also say the Menendez has provided sensitive U.S. government information. I don't know if that means classified or what exactly they mean. Like, what is the level of sensitivity here? But sensitive U.S. government information and took other steps that secretly aided the government of Egypt in exchange for bribes paid by Hannah or Hannah. Uh, that sounds borderline treasonous to me, but uh, I don't know. Is Egypt considered an enemy, I guess? But uh so that's that. Those are the circumstances of the bribery scheme. You have any thoughts on the scheme? The scheme itself. I mean, I, I remember this guy is. I remember. I don't know. It was seven, eight years ago, whatever. I feel like every other year, he gets caught up in a really serious situation. And this is the other reason. But this is just like you get to play your way onto the campus of the country club in in Washington D.C. And then I guess it's just really like, hey. Go out there, make your money however you like. But depending on what you're doing, be very careful because eventually we're going to have to, we'll cut you loose. We're going to turn a blind eye until you get caught and then we'll cut you loose. I see everybody very conveniently um, taking this moment to tell him he has to resign and calling for his resignation to show how unbiased Democrats are. You know who the first uh, one was, don't you? Who? John Fetterman. John Fetterman in his hoodie and his shorts. Was the yeah. first Democrat. A lot of them are hesitating, though. There were several on the Sunday shows this morning, and they, they said, oh, very serious, but uh, due process. You know, right. sudden, suddenly, they've discovered a little bit of hesitation, unlike the uh, Brett Kavanaugh uh, cases and other other situations. They, well, they, they probably took one of those Dominican Republic um, vacations with him years ago. I remember. <laughs> I don't know what the hell it was. He was like in... He was doing business with either like a, a dentist or an ophthalmologist or something, and he was getting millions of dollars worth in flights and I don't know what other kind of gifts yeah, that was going on. That there. was that was the prior case. So what you're referencing was um was a another indictment back in 2015. Let me find uh, the specifics here. And he got um, away yeah. because it was bribery again, but it was just a deadlock jury. Exactly. Yeah. Very similar bribery and corruption charges. As you said, it was a Florida eye doctor, Solomon Melgin or Meglin. I might have mistyped it in the notes here. Um, but yeah, uh, prosecutors alleged, the prosecutors were trying to prove a quid pro quo as in I give you, you know, whatever incentive, whether it's cash or cars or gold, you give me an official act. But prosecutors couldn't prove that official act connection beyond a reasonable doubt. Jury was deadlocked because they thought there was at least reasonable doubt with the defense case that these guys are just good friends who help each other out. That's how that ended. Yeah. Yeah. And so now why is it so important 
Why is it so important for certain people to be as vocal as they can? I saw what's called Adam Schiff, a few other people being very, I mean, John Fetterman, I guess he's become a prolific voice in the, uh, in the Democrat party right now. He has to. I, well, I don't know. I, I haven't yet seen the quad stretch to understand his vitality. I'll need the quad stretch to prove it. But. Yes, I know. I, that, that's the, that's the really the, the make or break right there. Can you stretch your quad standing up? We're talking like full heel to butt contact with the, with the quad stretch. Okay. Right. Right. All right. But John Fetterman has very odd legs. So there, there might be something there. He's a man. He's a, he's a mountain of silly putty. <laughs> uh, but he has two popsicle stick legs and it's it's very odd you at can't the, do that when you have so much up top at the at the risk of asking you a question that that may uh divert me too far away from the topic here uh do you have an opinion about what may have uh what is behind the john fetterman lump reduction where did the lump go the, what the the hot dog roll is gone well he used to oh, have no, a massive lump on the side of his neck and one day it just disappeared. Your thoughts? The the goiter is gone. It, it was like it, it wasn't. I'm not talking the like back of the neck lumpies. There was a side lump, and it right, went I away. It now it just went away. In fact, I think it went away when he had that long stay in the psych ward for depression. The lump went away. I wonder if it was some kind of an implant or something. He had to get drained. Maybe. I don't know, man. I see. I didn't. I never saw that. But if there's no, if there's no visible evidence of of a surgery, then there was definitely drainage that went on. Fair Very point. odd. Yeah, I I don't know. All right, yeah. we'll have I to remember fo- the lump. We'll have to follow up on lump watch another time. But Menendez is. Uh, well, let, let me get to his uh, response. But I do want to note he's not actually off again. He's accused of corrupt relationships with uh, businessmen to benefit a foreign country. And he was chair of the Senate foreign relations committee, just to emphasize when I say was, I mean, he's now he's no longer because over the weekend, Chuck Schumer announced that Menendez has rightly decided to step down temporarily from his position as chairman of the foreign relations committee until the matter has been resolved. Uh, so I'm thinking, okay, so upon conviction, he will be reinstalled as, uh, as a chairman of the foreign relations committee, but I'm informed that Senate rules actually forbid such a thing. When someone is charged with a felony, let alone convicted with a felony, they are removed from a leadership position. But if the charges are dropped or reduced to a misdemeanor, uh, he would be eligible to return. So he's not even off. He's not even out of his leadership position permanently. It's just temporary for the moment. So he he could be he could be right back uh, not doing corrupt things with foreign interests very soon. But as far as his response, <laughs> this is the palest man ever to play the race card in the history of the move. But he's trying it. Uh, it's but my last name. Yes, he's going with it. Uh, he released a, he issued a statement, uh, and that statement reads uh, in part here. Since this investigation was leaked nearly a year ago, there has been an active smear campaign of anonymous sources and innuendos to create an air of impropriety where none exists. The excesses of these prosecutors uh, is apparent. They have misrepresented the normal work of a congressional office. On top of that, not content with making false claims against me, they've attacked my wife for the longstanding friendship she had since before uh, I even met her. Those behind this campaign simply cannot accept that a first generation Latino American from humble beginnings could 
rise to be a U.S. senator and serve with honor and distinction. Now, I actually do believe him that this is pretty close to routine congressional behavior. I think that's actually something of a good defense for him. Everyone does this. I'm just the one that they're focusing on right now. Right. Right. Uh, But but I I mean, I have never looked at. First of all, I forget that that Bob Menendez even exists because he's only ever in the news when he gets caught doing something like this. And, you know, it's like when Roseanne Barr got in got in trouble with the uh, with Valerie Jarrett for making the for making the the, the Planet of the Apes joke. That's right. Yeah. And afterwards, she's like, I didn't even know she was black. And I mean, (laughs) fair point with Valerie Jarrett. Yeah, seriously. I mean, she got the Carol Brady hair. She's whiter than Bob Menendez is. And she doesn't even have a last name that 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 tells you anything ethnic is going on, you know, so. Well, and I I should be fair. I said palest man ever to play the race card. Sean King clearly holds that title. I want to be accurate. But Menendez is right up there. Honorable mention. Yeah, um, no, it's but, pathetic, but we'll see what happens because he already said he's he's he announces his uh, his reelection bid for next year, I think. Yeah, well, so we'll we'll see. The thing about Menendez here, too. This is sub Hunter Biden levels of effort in the corruption. And what I mean by that is nowhere in his explanation did he just give me a plausible alternative. That is to say, you make one hundred and seventy four thousand dollars or whatever a year in your Senate salary. Yet here you are, and we're we're finding you with over half a million dollars in cash or gold assets. Now, there's nothing wrong with uh, having money or valuable things good for you so long as you've earned them honestly. But you explain to me how someone with $175,000 salary is walking around with half a million dollars in cash. What did you do to earn the cash? And if you can tell me, well, I... I do X, Y, and Z, and that's how I got the money. He never explained it. Hunter Biden has the decency to do the crappy paintings. Hunter Biden at least tries to provide an explanation. Menendez didn't even yeah. do that. Menendez is just like, I I don't know, whatever. I, I, I'm i I'm Latino or whatever, whatever his explanation is. This is, this I, is I, sub I Hunter Biden level effort, and I will not allow Latino it. revenue. The residuals. I get the residual payments. He should have said taco truck. And I said, I would have said, fine, that's a cash business. It makes sense. Taco truck. It is. Senor. This is my town. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Um, This is my town. I mean, the only other thing I had in here before we wrap up this segment is would a resignation even matter? And uh, just to get through that quickly. No, it wouldn't because Phil Murphy is going to replace him. And the, the list of potential replacement shocker is all Democrats. So even if he was out and they put him, they filled in someone to serve out the rest of his term until January 2025, it's going to be another Democrat. I guess the question is, like, if there are nefarious forces at play, if he's right that it's racial targeting, again, it racial targeting from the black prosecutor in the Southern District of New York, I guess the uh, the the turf war continues there <laughs> among the black in the black Hispanic feud or something like that. Maybe that's the racial element he's he's talking about. I don't know. But um, but if there is some sort of uh, actual nefarious force trying to get him, it would be Democrat politicians trying to oust him for to take that seat for some other Democratic purpose. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll I mean, this, this I mean, who, who's his his colleague in the state? Cory Booker. Yes. I mean, yeah. it's him and Cory Booker in New Jersey. And so it, it, it's just it's just ridiculous. But yes, does it matter? What comes in to replace him when he finally does say, I'm done one way or another, if he's ousted, arrested, or just 
is allowed to live out the rest of his career, however the hell he wants to, and just continues to say, yes, nothing stuffed to me. Therefore, I was always innocent. It doesn't matter, I guess. Probably not. But uh, all right, we'll leave it there. We'll get to the migrant uh, surge at the border momentarily. But we usually take a super chat break at the top of the hour. So I'll read you some super chats and see what people have to say. Uh, Robin D. Banks. And I know Robin is a big fan of Frank as well. Uh, by the way, uh, our super chatters, there, there are a lot of, as I'm sure with your show, there are a lot of uh, various memes, references, things that are going to sound like, well, homoeroticism, frankly, and they are, but there's a chat context in which they fit. So, and it's not homoeroticism with Robin because Robin, Robin is a lovely woman. Anyway, Matt and I once made love. Oh, record skips as she regards Frank pants status removed. I told you she loves Frank. That's it. You can catch him every weekday around 7 p.m. at his website here or YouTube. And if you like uh, B&B, as in the old name of our show, or the Matt and Blonde show, you'd like him. So that's just Robin promoting, quite frankly. That's actually Oh, wow. Well, thank you so much. Yeah. Uh, Thanks, Thanks. Robin. As always. Yakko, uh, 1977. After decades of allowing decongestants on shelves, the FDA now says they're ineffective. So the FDA is corrupt for wrongfully allowing them, uh, or they don't work... Or, or they do work, and the FDA is corrupt for removing them. Yeah, well, alphabet agency corruption, as you see, is uh, it's a given. I did not hey, know did that. Did you though. hear? First of all, do you think that I, I haven't taken a decongestion or anything like that in a very long time, just because I don't like the way that they they make me feel in in the event of or along the way of trying to make my my sinuses drain or whatever. But I remember them working. I don't think that's what is that? That's just all placebo. Yeah, so I don't, I don't know. know where the hell this is. What that's all really about? The F can't trust them at all. What that? Whatever they're doing, it's it's not for the reasons they say. That cough syrup uh, stuff I haven't taken since I was a kid, honestly. So I couldn't even remember if I if it worked for me or not. Did you hear about the the FDA and and the uh, and Berkey filters? No, what's that about? My wife just told me this a couple of hours ago and I went out and I bought myself a couple of more replacement filters, the black filters and the fluoride filters. Cause they said something about how uh, they think that the, the, the filters have pesticides or something in them. I don't know, but I saw that the FDA and Berkey were starting to, were starting to face off about water filtration. So I, I didn't know about that till today. I have to really look into it later on. They just don't want you uh, handling your own water supply. Of course. Yeah. Well, they want the pesticides in. Yeah. Yeah. That's the, so uh hottie twerkman says just three months to christmas tickets for the charlie russell choo choos north pole adventure train near lewiston go on sale next monday well i'll have to check that out i've never uh, been to such a production but uh merry christmas a a quarter ahead of time but you're not the only one hottie twerkman uh go to costco you know every couple weeks we usually do christmas uh christmas decorations are already out right next to the halloween costumes for kids uh, and that was actually August. I think they were in August. Christmas decorations were out. Cave Toad says, good evening, men. This brings back good memories. I first heard of Frank here, so it's good to see you together again. By the way, I'm curious, how did you all meet and decide to collaborate? Thanks again. Well, I actually remember very distinctly, Frank. Uh, you messaged me, and it was right around the time that Corona started. It was March of 2020. And uh, I know we were both talking about Corona because as soon as we started saying, as soon as society started saying, well, we better shut down everything immediately and everybody better get in line and not ask any questions. 
um, there were people on the internet saying, uh, maybe not so fast. Let's uh, ask a few questions before we do. And you had messaged me about a video I made on the to- at the time and said, would you like to come on my show? And I said, as a matter of fact, uh, I should have contacted you a long time ago because I've listened to your show for a little while and my wife loves your show and it would be great to connect. And that was the story of the original appearance on your show in March of 2020. It was, a, and it was a great time. Well, yeah, you, well, Matt, I, you know, I'm not just blowing smoke here because you've invited me on tonight. I am great, grateful to be here, but you are one of the best when it comes, especially when it comes to, I mean, your, your live broadcast, the call-in shows, the variety that you give to people on a live, on a live uh, level is, is great, but your single topic videos were always something that was very easy to digest, very easy to share. And especially in 2020, when I, when I found you around that, I just said, well, Hey, this, uh, this guy is a really great resource, if nothing else. So I'm glad that you, you responded. I'm glad we became friends. Yeah. Well, uh, I'm glad that came together as well. And of course, thank you for the kind words. And one of the things that I appreciate so much about your show uh, is if you ever listen to a podcast or a live show and it feels like you're sitting on the couch, hanging out with that person, that's that to me, that's the mark of a good kind of conversational podcast or show. And you've always had that. And as far as people that I've gone on various shows and productions in my, in my time and yours was one that immediately felt comfortable as opposed to like stressful and rigid and weird. It just felt, you know, authentic and, and I'm glad that we've kind of been able to work together comfortably ever since. And I, I, I gather that's not just with me. And I think that you have a unique ability with God knows how many guests you've hosted at this point. It's like, it's probably in the it, thousands. Yeah. Who knows? Oh. It's, it's like the amount of people that you're able to, to work conversationally with. That's a, uh, that's an achievement, man. Well, since over the years, a lot of people, I mean, I, I started I, in 2006 and uh, this show was really born in its first, in its first, um, first version of its being, its first form in 2010. So yeah, been a lot of conversations. It's a very theatrical family background. I'm comfortable with it, and I always tell people who come on for the first time, you don't worry. I'm a good driver. I'm not going to let anything bad happen to yeah. you, and let's just have a, have a good time. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, some people are, you know. I, I like the return guests. I like when I start making friends, then it becomes a little bit more like, Oh, guess who's stopping by Matt yeah. Christian is stopping by, you know, it's a, yeah, that's it. Thank you so much. A uh, couple more here. We'll get back to the news. Texan devil dog. There's a reason why the moniker Talcum X fits Sean King. So well, question for Frank, were you already aware of the homo stuff in the show chat before agreeing to co-host lol? Uh, no. <laughs> did, did no. you, did you know how gay our chat was when you? That's a big gay man. I have, I have, I have some foreknowledge about the gay in the chat room. But yeah. as anybody in the chat room who spends time in both the quite frankly world and the Matt Christensen world, you know that we are we are plenty gay as well. So there, you, you know, with we, all the stuff like, in the in the chat, I've always had a philosophy of like, okay, the chat is a, it's a meme world of its own. You have to have it, let it have yeah. a life of its own. You start trying to control it and being like, Oh, how, I mean, first of all, you need to be grateful with people who are supporting your show, obviously. So I want to do that by default, but just as a matter of philosophy, I've always thought you start trying to get nitpicky and control things. Guess what you're going to get way more homo jokes. So I right. thought I'll let the jokes live their natural lives and they'll come and go. But uh, you know, a lot of these, 
these are zombies at this point. And my philosophy has been blown out of the water because I thought I'll let them come and go naturally. It's just more homo jokes. It's more homo jokes on top of more homo jokes for all time. And I don't say yeah. that with any sort of uh, with any sort of um, frustration with the audience. I want I want them to have as much fun as they possibly can. But you know, for all the jokes that are made at my expense about alleged homosexuality, I just have to question why, when I let the chat breathe as I do, that is the theme that is constant. It could just be that you are you're happy that the chat is giving you an out. <laughs> Maybe that's it. Maybe you just you're just happy that the chat is giving you a comfortable place to shine through. Man. Yeah, Scott Weiner <laughs> would be proud. You know, uh, there's no right wing politicians trying to out people around here. In fact, the chat does it every single day. Anyway, uh, real quick over on YouTube and Tippy, um, Ibot, thanks for supporting the show as always. Very much appreciated. We love you. You're very special. Jeffrey O'Neill. Masks are the mark of the sheep. So confident in their virtue, uncritical in their thinking. There's nothing for their safety. They will not do. Like communism, true masking has never been implemented. Yeah, I had to do some traveling in recent weeks and uh, the masks are back. Are the, are the masks coming back in your neck of the woods? You know, I thought that I would see them a lot more. I have not heard of any. I've heard rumblings from some of my friends that work in local Connecticut and New York schools that there has been talk about protocols that may kick in if certain levels, uh, you know, certain benchmarks of virality are triggered. But I haven't seen anything else. There's there's a lot more residue around here of people who are left over from 2020 that have yet to yield the mask. But oh, they um, never quit. But, they went the whole time. Just some people, just some people, uh, at least around me, you you can see it. You see some of them around. Most people have, have shaken it off. And who knows? We'll see. Once, once we get into October, November, uh, we'll, we'll see what happens there. Moist Fart says, hello, Francis. Glad you could cover for Blonde while she terrorizes the yellow people with her Godzilla-like nose. <laughs> have a great show tonight. F words. I, that's, uh, I, I can't say the F slur. That's Blonde's job. But uh, I appreciate appreciate the support for the show. Um, Blonde's nose size is sometimes mocked because in pregnancy it widens, apparently. So she gets really? a, a very wide nasal structure. I don't I don't oh, really I... notice. But people in the ch I mean, I'm telling you, man, they can do their like measurements and they they can they can uh, uncover her pregnancy before it's even announced because of nose width and stuff like that. Well, you know, your feet grow as well. Hmm when you're pregnant um so she that's why you know when i said i have big big shoes to fill that, that's probably a little bit of the reason why but you know i've got i've got a pretty prominent italian schnoz and um i know so if if if, if that's part of the criteria for sitting in the seat for the night then i guess i've i've got the nose thing covered as <laughs> closer well. and closer i need an anamorph of frank to blonde by the end of the stream <laughs> All right. Uh, Metal Rules says, did you guys hear the great news of the Kenosha Punk Gage Gross Boots? In fact, I was emailed too, and someone called him Gage Gross Shits. It's hard to work with the name, but I like that people are trying. Gage Gross Boots getting turned into a windshield ornament. He was crossing <laughs> the street and an SUV wiped him out. Oh, that's why I made it first story of the night. I couldn't wait to discuss it. Thank you, uh, Metal Rules. Laurel says, happy birthday, Blonde. As uh, you will recall, we have the same birthday a few years apart. It's so easy to remember. Uh, I have to confess that I had forgotten that Blonde's birthday is coming up on Tuesday. 
So you're right. And happy birthday, Laurel. Thank you for the reminder. I, I would have been, it would have been terrible of me to forget to text her on her birthday, but I'm sure she has more important to, things to tend to in Japan than just my birthday greeting. But, happy uh, birthday to all. Yes. Happy birthday, Laurel. Great to hear from you. Hope you're doing well. Uh, we will come back to the chat at the end of the stream. Thank you guys very um, much. I'll have to just circle back with you. And it's time to talk about the records that we're setting at the border. Once again, uh, Biden's polling numbers may be hitting record lows, but his border crossings are hitting record highs. And if you believe the polls, those things are directly related New government numbers released Friday say that 233,000 migrants and asylum seekers attempted to cross the U.S.-Mexico border in August illegally. And as always, those are just the ones that we know about. This is the highest monthly uh, total since the old Title 42 policy allowing immediate deportation ended in May. And it's actually accelerating. This week, we had 10,000 migrant crossings a day on some days. The daily average for the last three weeks is 9,000. Uh, many of these migrants are Venezuelans. And this is where your neck of the woods comes in because uh, the, uh, the governor of New York City, Mr. Adams, and the governor of, or the, the mayor of New York City, rather, the governor of the state of New York, Kathy Hochul, were complaining that they simply do not have the resources to deal with. Uh, all of the people that their sanctuary state aspirations have brought uh, into the state of New York. And so at the prompting of Adams and Hochul and others in New York, uh, the Biden administration has announced a policy uh, to give Venezuelan illegals uh, temporary protection from deportation. So this decision is expected to protect some 200,000 illegal immigrants uh, who will now have the legal right to work in New York. And I guess the idea is that they will immediately do that, that they'll be flipping burgers tomorrow instead of overwhelming New York city and Chicago and the rest of these cities, uh, and the places that they're being sent. Somehow this incentive will, will stop people from trying to cross the border in this way. And as we, we spoke about earlier, I'm not clear how this policy could possibly be temporary uh, and you can simply look to, well, first of all, just even in, in theory, am I supposed to believe that the Biden administration is going to allow these people to work, uh, without fear of deportation for a few months. And then Biden is going to announce, okay, temporary protection over. Now I'm going to boot all of you guys. So you better show up and, uh, show up to your, to your deportation court hearings, or we're going to get you even in right. theory, it doesn't make sense, but you look at the last line or the last paragraph in this NBC story. They've already done this before and it wasn't temporary. Previously, the Biden administration had made temporary protected status available to Venezuelans who arrived in the U.S. before March 9th, 2021. The announcement of eligibility was first made in 2021, and those migrants remain eligible to apply for the protection until March 2024. That's practically the entire duration of his presidency. So what's the temporary part? There's nothing temporary about this. And they're lying, um, you know, Mayor Mushmouth and Governor Beaver. That's what she is. Big talking. Big, I knew you had a name for big, her. I couldn't remember. She's a yeah. beaver, yeah. a beaver lady. Oh, I'm a shock. Shock. Talk, I, I can't. Anyway, she. Anybody that talks the way that they do about this stuff, saying that, oh, well, you know, everybody's welcome here. We're a nation of immigrants. They are lying. They're lying about not wanting this. They're lying. 
everything from the 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 the, the nomenclature what they're using they avoid saying illegal immigrant we're talking about waves of hundreds of thousands this eclipses many times over the standing armies of most countries in the world you're talking about foreign nationals that have absolutely no connection to this country except their desire to leech off of what they see as an economic vulnerability they come on in here with no desire to assimilate they are being trained from the get-go that this is some kind of a, a reconquista that they're coming to take back what was always theirs and it's just it's just all it's just a free-for-all swamping the last lifeboat and you have these mayors and governors that that talk out both sides of their mouths and once they get what they want they start talking about how we're at capacity and it's never about the one thing that will go the distance that it needs to go which is taking people and getting them out of the country. I read in New York City, right next door to me, that about $40,000 is going to be de uh, dedicated to each migrant a year. And that's how it stands for now, that New York City could be spending up to $5 billion a year or something like that to give all these people that kind of money. When I went and I checked, how much money would it be for a train ride or a bus ride? from New York City to Mexico City. And I could not find a ticket by plane, bus, or air. That was more than $800. So for less than 1 40th of the cost it would take to give these people almost three times the poverty line income in this country. Yeah. I think official poverty line is what, 12,500? Something like that. And you had me curious. So I just Googled, what do you think the US median income is? Uh, as of 2019, $31,000. So how is it that the, I know they're not, we're not talking cash payment, but resources in excess of, that's tw what you're talking about is the, the value of the resources provided per immigrant, 25% in excess of the average American's annual earnings. How could that possibly be? I, and, and on top of that, on top of that, they're working for Uber. Somebody, somebody has brought in these damn motor scooters. We're talking <laughs> about, and uh, we're talking about a, the, the Spanish Armada had nothing on what is going on in New York City with these scooters. Somebody bought them. Somebody brought them in. They are not licensed. Nobody has a license to drive. They just crawled across the border a couple of weeks ago. It is incredible what they're doing to very well-known hotels. These properties are going to be forever in disrepair. The crime is through the roof. It is, um, it, and they can they will not call them illegal aliens. They will not entertain anything that is considered a reasonable solution to the situation, which all revolves around deportation, massive deportation, and quick. It's the only thing. All they do is they reflect on this inane party politics line about, well, Republicans won't resource a resource resource. You want to put resources toward what get them out. They have to go. If you're talking about anything else, um, I don't care what party you are. If you're being a moderate about this, you're an ass, you're a complete ass. And um, I don't know, man, they're, they're pretending to not like this they're getting exactly what they wanted which is i which is why i you know i, I caution people 
to, you know, um, to not celebrate too much when Texas was busing them all around the country. Yeah, yeah I know that they were going to blue states, but you're bringing them thousands of miles into the interior of the country where they can go wherever the hell they want afterwards. Yeah. Once there's nothing left to draw out of that stone in New York City, they can go anywhere, including red states, purple states, whatever the hell it is. All along you know, I-90, which runs right between where I live and where Blonde lives in North Idaho, there is cartel drug trafficking activity on the northernmost interstate or one of the northernmost interstates in the country. Uh, we're not a border state. We're as far away from the border as you could possibly be outside of Alaska. And these issues still impact us. I'm not claiming that we're in an Arizona or Texas situation, but I, I see your point that is it funny to laugh at, at these people for the consequences of their own political wishes? Yeah, I mean, I guess. But it also comes with the cost for everybody else uh, that we realize every single day in terms of our resources being drained, in terms of the threats to our communities. And I think you're, to your point on the the solution of removal uh, never actually being seriously discussed. I got to kick up. First of all, we have the temporary work program, which definitely isn't temporary. The other headline this week was Biden is sending 800 troops to the border amid the migrant crisis. You think, well, holy cow, are we actually going to treat this to like the no, they're uh, pass out diapers? Yeah, no, they're there to to push pens. They're they are there to assist in processing. They are there to help with the desk work. It is just wearing camouflage while doing it. Um, and and that's part of uh, some some NBC reporting on the story this week. But I also wanted to to highlight this particular story because it leads into what I want to talk about next, which is the extent of the cartel involvement. Here's the reporting. Tens of thousands of migrants crossing illegally, part of a surge that started earlier this week. Scenes like this, lines of migrants, mostly from Venezuela, crossing through barbed wire and across the Rio Grande. Migrants we spoke to say this surge was fueled by rumors that the border was open. The facts are that the cartels control uh, who goes where and when, and they determined that this week was the week it's going to happen. The Biden administration now sending 800 military personnel to the border to help process the arrivals. Now, when I first saw so, that story, so I, the military, so the border was open then. Well, yeah, that wasn't a rumor. See, see, that's the thing. And that was my first reaction was well, a rumor. Like you, you're talking about if people cross, they can then apply for temporary protection to go work wherever they want. That's not a rumor. That's a practical reality. So I dismissed that as silly at first, the idea being like the cartel isn't lying about that when they tell people the border is open. There's like, yeah, you got to you got to go through a few hurdles um, and there's a few steps to complete, but you can get in. But the but the 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 part of the cartel involvement there that when I listened to more, I thought, OK, well, maybe there's there's more that is being alleged uh, here or more than I understand. Um, the, the question is, why are these border crossings coming in waves like this? And. Granted, there's some level of, of constant crossing, but we do seem to see these waves quite frequently. And we set these records. Is that organic or is there some kind of organization behind it? Well, the new Border Patrol chief, Jason Owens, he's been on the job since June. He tells uh, an ABC interviewer this morning that he believes the cartel is sending these waves to distract Border Patrol from whatever else the cartel is trying to achieve. 
In terms of flow and, and the threats that we're seeing uh, with fentanyl and with the uh, criminal organizations that, uh, that are our adversary, it's about as bad as I've ever seen it. So you believe what's happening in Eagle Pass is directly a distraction to occupy your time instead of looking at something else? I believe it's a money-making opportunity for those smugglers, and I believe it's a distraction for them to cross other things into the country. Other things like? Narcotics, fentanyl, uh, bulk cash, weapons, people of interest, whether it be hardened criminals, gang members, convicted, convicted sexual predators. Now, the question to consider, first of all, that seems plausible to me. Would you disagree with that assessment? No, no. Uh, uh, within the margin, the wide margin of this unthinkable level of chaos that is being allowed to happen, I'm sure plenty of opportunities being seized by people who have any kind of nefarious businesses or desires. So, but, but to say that this is what's going on, the cartels created this, it, it, it doesn't matter what the cartels wanted, how many people they want to send over. If the border is not open, then the, everybody the cartels are sending over the border are stopped there. That we, we would have troops setting up all along the border we would have where we can't put troops we would put active denial systems we'd have drones we would have so many things that were there to dissuade people plus there would be no financial incentives because the block grants to the states would be cut off there would be no there would be nothing there so yeah i'm sure that every type of gang or organized crime organized uh, you know organized crime uh, syndicate out there would see this kind of chaos as an opportunity to do what they want if they aren't already working with our government whether it be state or national yeah I'm sure that there's opportunities being seized but obviously this is something that the people who are supposedly um uh, mandated to represent our interests want to happen yeah and well, and that, that's the frustrating part. If I grant what he's saying as true, and it seems plausible to me that the cartels are not just involved, but they are so involved that they hold the power to mobilize tens of thousands of people or even hundreds of thousands of people in a criminal trafficking operation, that reality would compel the sort of military response that you're talking about, where if if you accept the premise that a criminal operation is trafficking people across the border at that scale, what response is there that's reasonable other than that? From just a, even from a humanitarian expect, uh, perspective, these people want to claim the title of like tolerant and compassionate and humanitarian all the time. The premise here is criminal traffickers moving tens or hundreds of thousands of people. There's nothing compassionate about the continued allowance of that sort of movement. Um, and I, I guess Whenever, whenever I think about these things, I just the the we we read a story a couple of weeks ago in the New York Times about the level of uh, corruption and control that the cartels have in Mexico to the extent that they were buying off literally entire towns worth of politicians. Everybody's on the payroll or threatened into compliance, from the mayor to the police force to even military personnel who were investigating a particular mass murder that this story was about. If the control is that massive. You have to treat that as the foreign threat that it is, and yet we're we just kind of shrug at it. But anyway, yeah. Um, a couple of quick notes on this before we finish up. Uh, I mentioned Corinne Jean Pierre being pressed to because if we can't use the the elevated language that you were just using uh, or I was just using. We need to know from the White House, like you can't call it an invasion. You can't talk about military force to stop this at the border. What phrasing would be preferred. 
And uh, Corinne Jean-Pierre just refused to answer the question. What do you call it here at the White House when 10,000 people illegally cross the border in a single day? So what do you call it, Peter, when GOP puts forth a... a, a wait, no. No, 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 no. No, you can't. Green? I'm answering... Okay, we're going to move You're on. answering no, 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 We're moving on. Green, moving. please. In the back. No, no, you said you were stopping the flow of the border. No, no. I tried to answer... Peter, I tried to answer the question. You stopped me. Let's go. Oh, psycho stewardess. Like a psycho stewardess. That would be the best border policy, though. No, 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 no. Just stop. Just stop. Stop right there. Could we get that border policy from this administration? I'd... She's on to something, maybe. Yeah, she is. Uh, lastly, what? I have to play my favorite clip of the week. Your, your Governor Beaver lady uh, coming to terms. Well, not just coming to terms with. She's saying the state of New York is full. Don't come here. They're literally from around the world. West Africa, South and Central America, they're coming from all over. We have to let the word out that when you come to New York, we're not going to have more hotel rooms. We don't have capacity. So we have to also message properly that we're at our limit. If you're going to leave your country, go somewhere else. But the smarter thing is to apply for asylum before you leave your country. Apply for asylum. Everybody in the world needs asylum. They're coming from all over for asylum. Where okay, every boy, what is what are you talking about? What's happening? It's, it's it's sort of silly. It's like if I'm in a in a in a legitimate asylum situation, so bad that I'm being persecuted so badly that I need to walk across all of Mexico to reach safety. Uh, how do I have the time or the resources to even do the application? Like it, someone's chasing me, trying to kill me. I got more important things to worry about. Can you imagine being from the Congo <laughs> and having the nerve to say, I, I need asylum in, in, in New York right now? It's very important. You, you need asylum. How did you even get across the Atlantic? Uh, yeah, another I, fair question. And, and that, that's to the prior point. What level of assistance is being provided to these people for the intent of, of traffic them, trafficking them across the border in this way? But um, last time, I'm sure the last time we're on every week on this show, almost every week, I can usually at least shoehorn something into it. We do a segment called the hoax hate crime of the week in which we visit whatever the the week's Jussie Smollett type incident was. And so uh, I have a few offerings for this week's segment. uh, And so we'll get started with that. Now, the nobody saw it happen, but it's totally a product of Trump's America hoax hate crime of the week. Ah, shit, it's backwards. You think they'll notice? And by the way, we've been doing the hoax hate crime of the week on this show since way before Jesse Smollett. Jesse Smollett was probably hoax hate crime of the week 100. So... You know, we go way back with this. And I'm 99% sure that Blonde and I talked about this very case when it happened, but I didn't have the time to go back and check today. If anybody of uh, who helps us with archive digs every once in a while wants to check, we would have talked about it in one of the early November shows in 2021, because this happened almost two years ago. Uh, the date of the story I'm going to use is October 29th, 2021. A black city councilman in Connorsville, Indiana, his name is Tommy Lee Williams, had his home set on fire. That was the claim. And it did burn. The fire itself wasn't false. 
Uh, he and his family were away at the time, but his two dogs were home and those dogs were killed in this blaze. Worse still, the apparent arsonist spray painted the N word in black letters on his back porch during the commission of this crime. So the FBI investigated this case uh, as a hate crime. And here was some of the local news coverage back from almost two years ago. The FBI is investigating a Connersville house fire after a racial slur was also found painted on the home's back porch. Connersville City Councilman Tommy Williams, his wife Emma, and their two boys were on vacation at the time, but two family pets inside the home did lose their lives to the fire. Firefighters did find a racial slur spray painted in the back of the home, and that is why this fire is now being classified as arson and a hate crime. Ugh. Well, by by February 2022, investigators found their guy. An Alabama man was federally charged for this arson case. The charges included interstate travel in aid of racketeering and, yes, arson. But notably, even if you read the coverage at the time, he was not charged with a hate crime, as far as I can see. That's kind of an oddity, but okay. Uh, Especially given the N-word was right there for the uh, federal investigators who otherwise love such things to bring those charges okay that's sort of weird but all right Uh, here's another oddity when you look back at this case in retrospect now the suspect's name it's tommy lee harrison so tommy Hmm. lee harrison lit tommy lee williams home on fire well i guess there are tommy lee's out there does this guy have a he doesn't like tommy lee competition and so he went from alabama to indiana just to stick it to the, his tommy lee competition speaking of isn't the travel itself sort of odd why yeah. why would a guy travel basically the entire north south distance of of the country just to light a guy's house on fire well the suspect tommy lee so this is tommy lee harrison he's now at trial and very quietly it appears this entire case is now exposed as the hoax that the skeptical eyes saw it as the whole time. According to reports from local radio stations, in court filings, Tommy Lee Harrison, again, that's the alleged attacker, is actually Tommy Lee Williams, the victim's son. This is what insurance investigators are saying in the case. Now, so far, I don't see more confirmation than that, just what these local uh, radio stations are reporting, and this is reporter Jeff Lane. Um, But... It would explain the Tommy Lee name repeating. And one report from this Jeff Lane says that Tommy Lee Williams, the city councilman and alleged victim, is now acknowledging that Tommy Lee Harrison is, in fact, his son. I don't see court documentation for that, but that is what is being reported here. Um, but Now, why isn't this a hate crime? Well, yeah. And according to this report too, the uh, the brother or the, the father son relationship alleged here was not disclosed in in the court filings initially either uh now and maybe you think though okay just because it's his son though doesn't maybe it is a hate crime maybe it's an estranged son who hates his dad and uh i don't know hates him for racial reasons or just likes to call him that name uh like that doesn't mean it's a hoax or it's fake well Court documents also indicate that Harrison contacted Williams. So the son contacted the father just before leaving Alabama and contacted him again just before the fire was set. 
Now, it's possible the communication was threatening, but I'm going to guess if the communication was, hey, dad, I'm coming to your house across the country to burn it down. Uh, dad might have uh, put forth some effort to mitigate that uh, particular risk. William's sentencing, the, the, the son here, his sentencing in the case has now been pushed back to February. The Williams family did have a GoFundMe. They did much better than uh, Gage uh, or Paul. They raised $42,000, over $42,000 on this particular event. They said, we will not let hate win. I don't know if GoFundMe is going to amend this to say, uh, we will fake hate and kill our dogs to cash in, which was what actually happened here. And I don't know if you know this, Frank, but frequently we make references to people burning down their own houses, even killing their own pets, because people tend to think that hoax hate is like, this cutesy thing where someone just spray paints a swastika on a sidewalk and someone makes a few bucks off of it off, off GoFundMe. Right. And there's plenty of that. But there are the hardened hate hoaxers who burn down their own homes and kill their own dogs. I'll remind you of the case of uh, Nikki Jolly in Michigan back in 2017. She, she's referred to as he in this story because she has transitioned apparently. Nikki Jolly was an LGBTQ rights activist in, or still is, I guess, Jackson, Michigan, previously named Citizen of the Year in her town, sentenced to at least a year in prison last year, plus monetary damages after she burned down her own home, claiming it was an act of anti-gay hate. She had two German Shepherd dogs and three cats that died in the fire. So these people do this. I, mean, like, I don't know what oh, the yeah. dogs did. But uh, holy cow. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, listen, you want to talk about everybody throws around the term death cult there. But there is that mentality where life is really just kind of cheap. And when you reduce yourself, first of all, what's the payoff? Especially with the the Tommy Lee story there. What's the payoff? I mean, forty two thousand dollars. But yeah, forty two. <laughs> you you killed your two family dogs for forty two thousand dollars. Your house is burned. What the insurance picks it back up? Is that was that really worth? It's so shallow. And the fact that they put the uh, the the slur on the back porch, it still it still should be a uh, a hate crime. What well, I mean, it, it, let's say it's a who cares if it's two black people? That that does not make it not a hate crime, right? Especially if it's being used in malice in a malicious way is not the only thing okay so he's a self-loathing uh black guy yeah who uses the n-word to go after another black guy that that's still a hate crime no uh no because it's just a a, a weapon used against particular races and not against uh others the classic example i'll cite to you is the san francisco one where there was the old asian man collecting cans and uh, a gang of uh of youths of color to use the politically oh. correct term they approached him on video and said, I hate Asians, N-word, then took his can picker upper thing and beat his ass with the can picker. And San Francisco, I forget who the prosecutor in San Francisco was at the time. It might have been Chase Boudin uh, or it might have been whoever was before him uh, did not bring hate crime charges in that case. Instead, it was, uh, you know, your classic. Um, what's the the, the reform justice of like a. What's they try to put people in recovery programs, you know, instead of actually. Uh, oh, yeah. Penalizing. Yeah. Them. Yeah. That's yeah, what they, they want to go. Case. But, you know, and that's that's just incredible to actually say I hate Asians. He said it on and, video while streaming it. And it was not a hate crime. My yeah. gosh. 
you know, I started yeah. taking a look at all the the, the FBI uh, hate crime reportings, the, the, the spike in them in around 2016, especially around the time of the 2016 election, because yeah. that was they were throwing everything they could at Trump. Obviously, there's a racism thing, all that other stuff. And that is when the media really started going all in on hate crime statistics. The reporting is going through the roof. And then when you really dig into the FBI's databases, you actually it is literally hate crime reporting is through the roof. When you look at the actual cases that were matched to them, most of them don't even go to trial. A lot the vast majority are all fake self-imposed stuff. But of course, if you are part of this psychopathic media that is trying to steer an entire nation psychologically in one direction or another and slowly bring the tension, civil tensions to a, a boil. I mean, you're going to latch onto whatever you can, but when you just peek behind the curtain a little bit, you see that it is just teeming with people who have understood now that victimhood is a very, very powerful thing to invest in. And, uh, and that there is a culture that's being created uh, by and large that, I don't know. It really, it really gives you carte blanche in many, maybe in many ways. Of maybe course. you're onto it. Maybe you've cracked the case with with Paul because I, I certainly agree that there's a, there's a grift at play here. But if you're Paul, otherwise known as Gage, yeah, poor white, like he has, he's not like Menendez, man. He has no card to play for the automatic identity based victimization. Was it a a hoax hit and run? Did he hire that guy to hit him with the intent? of making the money off of it. Maybe that's why his, uh, his ask is so small. He's like, listen, I'm not, I'm not seeking riches. I just need 2,500 bucks to cover a few bills here. Was this orchestrated? <laughs> but what, but what edge would using a black driver give him? Yeah, that's true. And my theory might've I mean, fallen apart, but it, it, anyway, it, it takes it all apart, it takes it all apart. It really is. So uh, that's what is really shocking about the gross crude story is that this really is just, terrible probably terrible luck for him yeah it probably is all right just a couple of quick uh quick other related stories here and then i want to hop into the alien segment um in fort worth texas shelby martinez a mother of color presented her injured two-year-old son at a hospital in february the boy had life-threatening internal injuries from some sort of traumatic event including burns and a lacerated liver Martinez and her boyfriend Thomas Gates told hospital staff and police investigators that a car occupied by an unknown white couple had backed out of a parking spot at their apartment complex and struck their son. Of mm. course, when interviewed individually, Martinez and Gates gave differing versions of that story. So upon investigation, police learned that actually Gates himself had struck the boy with his car and the pair agreed to blame Whitey to avoid responsibility Gates, who perhaps has other legal troubles or for some other reason, decided to come clean and admit that he is the one who, in fact, hit the boy with his car. Shelby Martinez, the mom, is now charged with making false statements to police. And uh, well, Which do you have any, totally racist uh, in itself, totally racist in itself. Oh, this is another contribution to the uh, to the to the, the racial crime statistics that are inherently uh, flawed and the result of nothing but prejudice and bias. Well, it's racist that they that the police would even question their account of the story. Oh, I see. Of course, it was a white. You know, yeah. the fact that it went this far in itself is racist. Thank you for clarifying. Um, this uh, this last one, I don't even think this. I think this one might be real, but I just bring it up because it's funny. Um, 
there have been a lot of the incidents at these uh, progressive churches that fly trans flags. Like the trans flag is more prominent than the cross. You know, that kind of church. There's a lot mm-hmm. of those now. The pride flag, the trans flag, all that. Well, headline WAGM News in Maine. I think I'm pronouncing this correctly. Presque Isle Church vandalized by terrible speller. Uh, again, we have a, an image of, of the exterior of the church here. We got the massive uh, rainbow flags and the pride progress flag on the exterior. The church describes itself as opening and welcoming to all. But one of these rainbow flags was apparently spray painted with what this story says um, is is a misspelling. Well, the flag has just the F slur for gay people. But they're saying that the the the, the vandalism below it is actually misspelled because it says fog house. So look how idiot, idiotic this vandal is. It says fog house. Um, I'm not convinced, though. I go and look at the, the church's page and I see the tail on the A right there in this different angle. It's kind of it's it's a little bit overlapping with the G tail. But I see fag house. I think this guy did it correctly. So yeah, the, no, I see that though. I give him credit for Pag House. Yeah, the the misspelling angle from the local news, I think, is uh, misreporting. I don't think they're correct at all. And uh, so this vandal, if he's oh, real, oh, wait, 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 wait. The, the tail on the A is just a little bit disconnected. You're right. I'm yeah. looking at it from there. But I, there, it's there. It's clearly there. And just to just so I'm not misrepresenting the story, that's what they say. The words Fog House. But that's not what it says. It doesn't say Foghouse. The the A tail is there. The slur is complete. Just want to stick up for this vandal a little bit. He 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 was in fact correct. Yeah, I mean, listen, it, it's either they are, it's either fog. They're not out there, but fog. If you put these, do you put the O there? Obviously, it's just a little bit of a a mishap with the with the, with the. The paint. Yeah, it's just not perfect, uh, not penmanship, but paintsmanship, you know? No, he spelled it perfectly fine, you assholes. Okay, well, without further ado, I prepped some appropriate music for our alien discussion segment. I have a question. You okay. Know- what, what do you got for me? Because you've been teasing the alien talk for the better part of a week, and I have no idea what you want to discuss. I have a question for you about this. It's more of a, as we continue to be inundated with these alien disclosures, the paper mache Mexican aliens, all that other stuff. I've been thinking about all the reasons why we people are too preoccupied to care about the alien disclosures, disclosures and ultimately... I realize that we've got more to fear from other human beings right now than we do, you know, that if aliens did arrive. And I, I, re- I realized this because there there might be two outcomes, major outcomes, if aliens arrived. And I want to know from you if you think that there's any other outcome, okay. positive and negative. Both would result in the government being vaporized. Okay. Mm. Okay. Okay, there's one positive outcome and one negative outcome, but both would result in government being vaporized. If aliens are really here and they are benevolent, they have benevolent intent, then they would first diagnose our political and social leaders as a malignant cancer that needs to be eliminated. So that's number one. And I also started thinking that if they are malevolent, then they'll still vaporize our leaders, only they'll vaporize us as well. So either way, government gets vaporized. Essentially, okay. 
if they reveal themselves to all of us and then take a meeting with someone like Chuck Schumer or a Lindsey Graham or anything, then we will know it was all 100% horse shit because there is no legitimate alien scenario that doesn't end with government getting vaporized unless the government is mostly comprised of hybridized beings yeah. at this point. They are the aliens. Or they've made a deal with the aliens, yeah. Yes. But but why would you why would you honor a deal with scum sucking humans? You know why would you honor that deal for what? I always think that old uh, they, they have gold deals. bars and they have Mercedes. Haven't you heard? That's the Anunnaki line right there. Yeah, that we were a, a, a we were a race that was created to harvest gold for them because there's a very universal there's a very universally um, value there's a universal value to gold on a the cosmic level okay i've never thought of that that gold's value is not even inherently earthly that we are gold we are gold farmers for extraterrestrials that's a that's a real theory yeah that, okay. that's what like sitchin and and uh and, and anybody who talks about nibiru was talking about is that in uh, that we were genetically genetically altered in a way to to be able to extract gold from the earth and and provide it to our uh to provide it to our our makers our extraterrestrial makers that's one theory okay but i don't know after all this time bob menendez may be a part of it dealing in gold bars it's very We're really very cracking all up. the all the cases today okay i don't mean to derail though i want to make sure i get the the heart of your question is your question just is there any are, other is there any other scenario in which aliens can show up and government is not vaporized um, no, the only I think positive or negative. The only scenario I could think is the one I just described, where there's some kind of deal that they will provide them with something of value, but that premise seems a little bit silly. In so far as if they're technologically capable of getting here, maybe we have some sort of super rare thing they need for some reason. Um, but absent that, that would be the only scenario that I could see. And I can't imagine that if they're that advanced to travel space on a scale that we could never conceive of, um, that they would be in such a situation. It seems like they would probably have a way to find the resource that they need on some planet that is between us and them. Unless maybe there's labor that is required to get that resource, in which case we're the, we're the gold farmers, we're the gold miners. Uh, Unless that one thing that they need from us that they can't get anywhere else are souls. And then <laughs> all of our friends out there who say that, no, the alien phenomenon is purely demonic. Then I'd say, OK, now you have a leg up there because <laughs> I don't even think they need us to get the gold. Why would they need us to go out there and get the gold? And who's been handing it over? It's all over the place. Gold's all over the place. It's not like there's no gold it's being picked up and then all of a sudden it's being taken off planet. I mean, my question in in that scenario to push back on my own, I guess you already kind of hit on it, but to push back on my own theory of a deal is like if if the paper mache alien showed up and revealed himself to Chuck Schumer in the middle of the night in his D.C. apartment or wherever this is, how would they even distinguish between themselves? It'd be just the Spider-Man meme. It's like, who's who? Who's the real Earthling? Who's the... I don't know. Like... I think to your point, if if they if there was a resource, does it even make sense to go to the leeches that are the politicians and not the producers, the people who actually make these things or or harvest these things or or mine these things? But I guess the leeches are at some level of control. So I don't know. Maybe that makes sense. But 
yeah well that's what you listen I, I i don't know what the hell the, the 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 issue is out there what's what's the all i know is that what we live through right now is only a it's got to be just a very fine fine sliver of the entire truth and and if there's ever i can't i don't see how any kind of earthly government can ever stay in between us and knowing if this if these pe these beings want us to know there's no way you're like, oh, well, the government going to give us disclosure. What power would the government have unless they were the aliens? Unless they were the aliens, what power yeah. would they have to but keep us from the truth? I'm not discounting that theory. Uh, frankly, it, it would I would it would come as some level of relief if I found out that the government was comprised of of immoral or amoral alien being, alien beings. I would finally say well, thank God. That makes sense. I thought these people were just human degenerates who had no conscience or soul in the way that you're describing. They're actually weird, non-human aliens who are totally void of all of those things that make us human. This makes the world make so much more sense to me now. There would be a certain relief in that revelation, I think. But uh, I, I know it's uh, kind of the, the obligatory question to ask. But uh, there were people who people in my life recently who were shocked that I had not seen this Mexican paper mache alien until recently. Uh, wh what are your thoughts on this particular claim? My thoughts were when I saw, I saw, I said, "Well, it, this is exactly what I would roll out and show the public if I wanted them to not believe that aliens exist." It's all it's all that popped up. I just I just chuckled to myself and I turned the page. Is that, oh my god so that's you, that's all uh, i got for you on that one i know i'm the ultimate normie on these topics but do you ever watch ancient aliens no actually oh, i never I did i just know the ancient alien memes of course yeah, but yeah. Uh, i never never did uh, i mean it's great actually the first few seasons of it are, are i think are really interesting it talks about like why is the layout of dc this way and is it possible that there's extraterrestrial explanation for that and there's some really interesting theories about just um Stonehenge and what are those? What are those big face uh, statue guys? Those big stone faces. I forget what they're called. In Easter Island. Easter Island guys. Stuff like that. Now it's more like, hey, here's an unexplained thing. Probably aliens. Like once you've done the show for ten seasons, you got to stretch. Um, but it is well, interesting. Do. Uh, it's it's interesting to just look at that at prehistoric feats or very very ancient feats before technology theoretically existed to achieve some of the things that societies did and wonder like is it possible that some sort of uh some sort of knowledge or technology was delivered to these people to help them achieve what they did well i think that it's interesting that you are going into uh into to bible study hmm. and um because what i have been learning and what I have been entertaining of late is that a lot of the a lot of the events of the Bible, especially the earlier parts of the Bible, you're talking about great battles in heaven. That all those battles, according to guests of mine like Timothy Alberino, were very real kinetic battles. And and that there has when you talk about great resets, there have been many. And that even when you go back to the go back to the Atlanteans or the you know the stories of Atlantis and who the survivors could have uh, wound up really building uh, the Egypt that we know of the ancient Egypt that we know of how did the Egyptians build the pyramids you say well it was the help of aliens or was it just lost technology how how often how often did civilization reach the the highest of highs 
and then brought down to the lowest of lows. How often, how many sick cycles have we seen like uh, seen that uh, seen happen over the course of I don't know just time? Is time linear? Is it that as far back as you go, thousands of years? You're just talking about thousands of years into the most primitive of existences, or is it that? time going back in time doesn't necessarily mean that everything got primitive it's just that there was another there was another cycle that went that went through and then we just crashed and everything went away or there was just gigantic earth shakeups and things were washed away the chalkboard was erased and here we are again and some of the technology that might have been lost that actually moves that moves these giant or could it have been coming from a uh an off-world, off-world intelligence was it channeled? Like we, like many people, make very, very uh, great arguments about the Nazis and the Vril, and um, and how a lot of the technology, anti-gravitic technology that they were developing during World War II, could have came channeled from off-world. I love looking into all that stuff because you just, um, you just, you just never know. But there is a certain level of caricature, cartoonish presentation that is is given to us that makes just it makes people laugh at it all and perhaps a lot of it is laughable but in the meantime i just think that uh, anything that is being offered up to us by the government again is nonsense and i just think that there's such a they're so pathetic that there's nothing that they'd ever be able to do to stand in between us and some kind of a real cosmic revelation of that sort unless of course they were just pulling the wool over our eyes and making us dance the dance. So I'll, I'll take your point. Uh, if, if we see evidence of government alien cooperation, you know, it's bullshit. You know, it's time to get that Montana cabin going and we'll find you here. Uh, and then we, then we could potentially get into uh, what is my, I wouldn't say area of expertise in this kind of uh, more tinfoily world, but my area of interest, not that aliens aren't interesting, but I'm more of a Bigfoot guy. You want to talk Bigfoot? Uh, always interested in Bigfoot, but we'll have to save that for another time. Um, but, uh, I, I'm glad that you brought that up to me, uh, for its own sake. But I think that the reason that's fun too, is these topics are a little bit more of a tease for what people can expect to find on your show. In addition to the day-to-day news, like, isn't it fun to think about weird things that might be true that are, uh, that we just never put a lot of thought to. And if we accept premise a, what does that mean for premises B, C, D, and E? Um, yeah. Thank you for the, uh, for the thought exercise. Did I answer your question directly? Yes. I should be suspicious of politician alien collaboration that I would consider that a red flag. That's my answer. Yes. Yes. And I I think that would be, that would be one of the the better theories outside of, you know, my positive and negative. It's either we are, we are seen as the best parts of humanity and they help us clear clog on clear all all the clogs that make up what we are living out right now and leave us behind or they just come here and take us all out and okay well at least they went too that's what i would say you you know the other the other reason that's fun is after the first trump impeachment early 2020 blonde and i sat here on this stream and asked ourselves for fun like what's the next thing Okay, we're rolling into the election. Impeachment was a bunch of bullshit. What's coming up? And I'm talking like January, February, whenever that was, the month before Corona really hit. And I feel foolish now because Corona was a thing. You know, it wasn't like we were in the early stages of it, but I did not think like, 
alleged super killer virus that's going to cause the total shutdown of society and upend everything we do. That is not, that was not in my forecast. So as out there as it might seem or sound like alien invasion for political staged alien invasion, even for political purposes, I would not put it past these people. We're going to watch some remake of independence day, but they will be the stars and we have to submit to their power to save us. Dude. That's why I called it. Um, by late spring that day, that that year, late spring, early summer, I was calling it Project Fluebeam, and it, it you know in Bluebeam, obviously it was a it's a theory, it was a theory about what what kind of a mass mass witnessed event could you know could be simulated to bring people toward a new established paradigm on Earth, whether it be the creation or the acceleration of a of a, a, a joint religious experience or whatever the hell it was, or a fake alien invasion. And if you go and you take most aspects of the most, you know, the most behavior altering aspects of the COVID years, which we're still in, but when you really take 20 and 21 into, into effect and analyze them, if you swap out the word virus for alien, it's all, I mean, yeah, yeah I mean, seriously, it's, it was project flu beam and you're talking about an unseen microbe that is just, I mean, look what they were able to do. I mean, if, if you were part of the structure behind the scenes, sitting back and watching people, baseball players play games to cardboard cutouts of fans in the crowd, <laughs> You must yeah. have been sitting back smoking your cigars and going, wow, we did this. Look at what we did. I mean, that is incredible power. Incredible yeah. power. Yeah. Why would they? Yeah. I mean, if the whole thing was a test to see what sort of submission could be achieved with some cockamamie story. Uh, yeah. Well, the, I think they got what they were looking for. So I have no doubt we'll see a repetition of it with some sort of changed premise in the future. But, uh, but Hey man, I asked you for two hours of your time and I don't want to be disrespectful of that. Um, we do have super chat to close and it'd be awesome if you can hang out. But if you, uh, if you have things to tend to, I know it's late out there on the East coast. Uh, I certainly will not be upset, but I'll leave it up to you if you want to hang out for some chat or if you'd prefer to call it a night. No, let's rock out. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, cool. Glad you're sticking around. Thanks for that. Uh, Texan devil dog over on rumble says there's a reason why the moniker. Oh, I read that one. Thank you. Texan devil dog. Uh, the hillbilly deluxe says, Hey Frank, are you really in New York? If so, I'll say a a prayer and light a candle for you. Matt hunting season starts next Sunday. Dust off those muck boots. I'll be in the saddle for the next three plus months. Well, first of all, allow you to answer the question for you. Yes. And thank you for the candle. Ah, uh, hunting season is, uh, it's already bow season and I do have a plan to try last year. I, I, I got too ambitious. I have a, I I've never been a hunter despite, uh, you know, my Montana cred. I, I don't, hunting is not a skill that I have, but per our prior discussion about making yourself, or just, you know, having survival skills and making yourself independent, I want to gain that skill. So I have an, a friend who's an elk bow hunter and I went elk bow hunting with him last year. And it's very difficult to elk bow hunt and we were not successful. So this year I'm going to try a higher success prospect and I plan to do some deer rifle hunting come November. Oh. And, I, and hopefully it's on some private land that is a high success rate. So then I'll get the experience and, um, and I'll become a real man. I'll take out Bambi's mom and uh, I'll become a real man at 35 years old. But uh, Elias, are you uh, are you a hunting guy at all? I have never 
This weekend, I was just at a health retreat for a friend of mine, a frequent guest on the show, and um, and uh, we ate a lot of organ meat, hmm. including testicles. I ate <laughs> testicles over oysters. the weekend. Yes, first vacation I went on where the yeah. testicles were in my mouth. <laughs> See, you fit in on this show just fine. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, we're good on Odyssey. We're good on DLive. Thank you guys over there. Let's catch up with YouTube and Tippy Stream. We'll call it a night. Uh, Zach Log the Great uh, says, I'm publishing a book serially online. Imagine Charles Bronson's death wish meets the Count of Monte Cristo over the murder of Canon Hinnant. It's titled The Mayor of Christ Mountain. If this sounds cool, check it out. Uh, and then there's a URL here. I can't uh, click the URL from my chat here, Zach Log, but I'd be happy to, to uh, check it out if you send it my way. And uh, again, that's the the mayor of Christ Mountain. If you'd like to check out Zach Log's work. Thanks for supporting the show. Uh, Tortuga over in Japan. Shout out to the Kyoto crew. What a great meetup. I, Blonde had some kind of listener meetup in Kyoto. Wow. Within the last couple of days. So apparently we have a Japanese constituency, which I was totally unaware of. That's incredible. Uh, yeah, but that's really cool to hear. Uh, Son of the Wolf, Matt and I once made lie. Was that supposed to be love? I don't know. And quite frankly, it was the best. Well, that's a great mashup. I'll, I'll, I'll take it either way. Thank you, Son of the Wolf. Um, Ryan Hass says, Hey Frank, thanks for co-hosting you gentlemen. Have a great back and forth from what I've seen, Matt, this live stream is always the highlight of my week. Thanks for putting, uh, this allegedly duct tape production together. Um, well, thank you for the compliments and, uh, hope, hope you're doing well. Uh, I always use that phrase, Frank duct tape production because, uh, you know, it is, it is a duct tape production. It's like there's hamster wheels down here and there's duct tape holding everything together. Um, but I assume that you're probably a guy who would, I don't know. You tell me, I don't mean to assume your perspective, but I take a certain pride in like being a duct tape operation, you know, things not too shiny, things not total like suit and tie, you know, you want a oh, yeah. little, you want, you want a little rust on that car. If that makes sense. Hey, listen, as long as it's authentically you, yeah, then that that's going to come through. If you like getting dressed up, if, if whatever the hell it is, people are going to know if you took care of what you what you love you take care of it and 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 care shows that that authenticity and that care comes through in 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 many different ways you know um however if you're a relaxed environment if you're a very professional environment whatever it is you're going to see it i mean just like you, you don't have to be a a uh a fan of a certain genre of music to be able to objectively analyze the the uh the composition and say uh this took talent to put together it's not my cup of tea but you know, I, I, I see where it's going. So, yeah. And I know all about duct tape, man. Like I said, we've been doing this, um, in one form or another since February of 2006 before there were any consumer grade technologies that allow people to go live with the, uh, the turn of a key now. And, um, it, it was Frankenstein productions for a long time to be able to get yeah. people to listen to us streaming live. So, yeah. I respect That's that good. for sure. The reason I'm uh, adjusting my camera is because I always like an opportunity to do a little Easter egg show stuff. On top of my kind of wall back here, there is a, a single roll of mostly used duct tape. I don't know if you can see that, Frank. It's hard for oh, me. Oh, there to it is. Yeah, yeah, I can see it. And the reason that's up there is is for symbolic purposes um, because that duct tape has in fact been used for various things. But I, I just, I like the metaphor of like, yeah, I mean, you just need a little, like you need 
minimal resources and the drive to do it and the effort to do it. And duct tape, as much as it's joked about, holds very sincere metaphorical value for me for that reason. That's why there's a mostly used roll of duct tape up there is like I want I want the duct tape like Harambe overseeing my entire you got to remember it. Yeah, got to remember it and keep it in there. You know, our for my band's first uh, the first production studio that we went to um, to record when we were in high school is our first studio experience before everybody was able to bring production equipment back home and digitize with Pro Tools and then Logic and everything else. It was Duct Tape Goose Productions. Nope. Duct Tape Goose. There you go. That was yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, small world or great minds think alike, you know? Uh, Long Dong John, uh, I guess we asked this implicitly earlier, but has Frank tried the tingly ball soap yet? My, I'm guessing you have not, but I tell you what, Frank, privately, you give me your address. I am sending you some tingly ball soap on the house. I want you to have the experience. Okay. What is it like an astringent or something? No, it's, it's just, it's a standard, it's a, it's a, it's a big bar of all natural soap. And it is a, uh, as I, as I wrote the copy for, this is a, a frosty pine experience where the mm. forest meets the peaks. All right. It's called Timberline and yes. it's a, it's a pine scent and it's double menthol for that cooling effect. And so you get the shower going nice and hot and this is great. Like Keep going. I'm going to lean into the chat here. As soon as you're finished up with something really sweaty, you know, you had a hard workout or it's a hot oh, yeah. summer day and you've been out doing a, you know, a man's labor all day, whatever. You need the comfort uh, of, a, of a hot shower with that refreshing, yeah. cool feel. That's Timberline. And I want you to have that experience. Oh, you sold me. Yeah. I'm, I'm hot right now. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, I, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll message you later. We will, we'll get this organized because we got to get Frank's official opinion now that he's you know part of the show community. Uh, Boogeyman says, quite frankly, I doubt it. Welcome to the show, Frank. Well, thank you, uh, Boogeyman. Appreciate it. I doubt it. Raphael Salvador says, loving the new look, Blonde. You finally fully embraced your anti-woman ideals and shed your femininity to become an alpha Chad dude. You know, that that would be great. Uh, blonde, uh, I don't, that's an <laughs> that was... interesting question for Blonde. If she could become a man, would she want to? If she know. could become a man, would she want to be me? Or, yeah, specifically Frank. I don't know. Because huh. you, it's apparent because, you know, I've only I only have I'm only ever spoken to blonde the two times that we've done simulcast together. Yeah. And I, I, I really love having conversations with her. I wish that we would all team up more. But from your from your own commentary on her tonight and me, it seems like we have a lot in common. Uh, blonde, you talk about authenticity. There's probably no more authentic person in the world. And I I don't want to go too deep into this because I don't want to say things when she's not she's not here to, you know, have the opportunity to speak on her own behalf. But often people ask me, um, man, if blonde's like that on the show, what is she like in private? And my answer is exactly the same. Like that is, (laughs) you think that she's like holding, you think the stuff that she says on the show is her holding back. No, that's just her. That's that. Say whatever you want about her opinions or, you know, say whatever you want about my opinions. Nobody agrees with anybody all the time. That that is a person who is 100% authentic, not holding back, believes what she says, no matter what. And I will always respect that uh, for her or for anybody that is that is authentic and honest in their presentation that way. But that's uh, terrific. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's why we've why we've worked well together over time. Like 
I wouldn't say that I'm not, obviously I'm not going to say I'm not authentic. I try to say what I mean, but to me it's, I do place value on trying to, trying to phrase things in a way I hope will be persuasive. You know what I mean? That means choosing words carefully and trying to be specific and this, but not that. And there is a value to specificity. Of course, I'm not diminishing that, but I I don't know if I try to be a scalpel. She is Lucille from the walking dead. And both of those tools have valid application. They're, they're they're necessary depending on the job, you know. It's 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 interesting that you use the word scalpel as a descriptor because I I often use an analogy of the the scalpel and the the wrecking ball, and yeah. um you know I, I I think I've got a little of both of that going in there. I there are nights where there are something that you want to talk about that uh, whether it be just the state of society in general, the level of um, level of sensitivity, or especially um any kind of media organization that's going to take what you say, if they know that you're out there and use it against you, you have to be very careful about making sure that you make the, the point that you want to make in a way that is unimpeachable. Yeah. And, and then there are other nights where, you know what, you just, you just got to, uh, you just got to go for it. And if, if you're feeling a certain way, it doesn't have to be fact-based. You can just talk about what you're feeling and then bounce it off people out there. If you're, if you're hosting a talk show and talk about it. And I, I, that's, that's why I like the flexibility that we have. We can do that kind of thing. And, you know, over the weekend, I said, I was at this retreat. Most of the people that came in from all over the country to this, this nice, this beautiful ranch in Vermont. Um, most of them watched my show. And hmm. last night was the last night of the retreat. And they, I was actually leading a, like a panel there with the, a lot of the, uh, the speakers. And then when it came to people just asking me questions, a few, the, you know, it, it came around to that, you know, what your personality is off air and, and are the people on your show really like that? Is your buddy, Matt really like that on Friday? I mean, everybody's exactly who they are. And this is the, I think this is the best thing about new media, Matt, what you do, what blonde does, what we all do in our own way is that new media is, is not being, delivered on the backs of multi-billion dollar multi-billion dollar uh budgets it's being you really floated and grown exponentially by the constant support of smaller groups of people who want to be able to be a part of something new fresh and authentic and uh and that's that's really the beauty of it you know that's really the beauty of it. Back in the day, you want to watch a show that you really like. You want the ratings to be there. You want the show to be renewed for another season. You tune in at a certain time on a certain channel and you pay your cable bill. Well, now there's barely anything left on cable that is worth watching. And if you like what you see, if you find something that resonates with you, you got to go a la carte. If you like Matt Christensen's channel, become a monthly sponsor of his, support them, whatever you do, whatever you find. It is now a new chapter in our history where you have to you have to be a part of the game. You have to be part of the, the, the and that's it. And it's all about authenticity. It's not about lipstick and blush and billion dollar budgets. It's about just uh, hey, what do you got for me? I, I don't want to be lied to anymore. Even if you're, and that doesn't mean that you have to come on there and be right. You just just be straight with me. Maybe uh, I disagree, but who cares? Because disagreement is being outlawed, and that's the biggest yeah. problem. Well said, man. I uh, couldn't uh, couldn't articulate it better myself, and uh, appreciate uh, appreciate your call for support too. And and again, uh, quite frankly, TV. The same goes for Frank. If you like Frank's show, head on over uh, and uh, throw some support his way. 
Bocephus says, hear me and rejoice. Marcus, the golden one has released a new workout video to inspire us, uh, to inspire all to a glorious physique. Matt, maybe Marcus can give you uh, a few workout tips for your deep vein, deep vein throating. Um, man, I, I, that's a whole thing that I should talk to you about. Frank is uh, my deep vein thrombosis, deep vein thrombosis, DVT thrombosis. Have you ever heard of that? I, I know I'll probably have to be really brief here, but, uh, so at the end of August, I got what I thought was a horrific calf cramp. And the audience is familiar with this, so I'll be quick. But this thing would not go away. I've had calf cramping regularly, so that didn't seem odd to me. But I, I couldn't walk. And then I couldn't walk for like three days. And my calf was still locked up. Eventually, I go into the to the ER at the advice of the uh, the urgent care clinic that does not believe me when I say I think I might have blood clotting after self-diagnosis. And lo and behold, that's what I had. I had total blockage in three major veins in between my knee and my ankle and almost total blockage in a fourth to the point that I could not walk. They've put me on blood thinners since, and I have to go back for further investigation as to why this happened. And to answer the obvious question, no, I never took a single shot that was not involved in this at all. But I have this bizarre blood clotting that has struck me uh, in the last in the last month. Damn son, yeah, it's to- really? totally weird. Did, did, did you did you actually see? Because you know, back then, I now listen. I, I'm I, I've had clients. I, I'm I was a personal trainer just been, until a couple of years ago, and um, I have seen this kind of stuff happen before. Where you know, but of course, it, it's not tra- It wasn't traveling for you, right? It stayed right in the calf. I had the ultrasound in my entire left leg to see what normal blood flow was. And then my right leg that's affected. And they, they said, there's no, there's no clotting at all above the knee, but between the knee okay. and your ankle, there's lots of clotting. And uh, I've been on blood thinners for three weeks now. And the blood thinners made it recover almost immediately. Like I, if I didn't know right now, I'd say I'm back at full strength. Nothing wrong. Hmm. But okay. Well, it's I think been I, you should see really weird. The whole thing's a really weird experience. You should definitely see a good nutritionist and have them thoroughly examine your blood as far as, you know, just all different types of levels. That's the and, plan is um, to see like some kind of blood specialist uh, late. They're telling me I should wait to do that evaluation until after I'm off the blood thinners and after this clot is cleared. So I guess I'm going to do that. But you should talk to my buddy who just put together this health retreat last night. He's a good friend of mine. He is one. He is a based nutritionist. Right. Sure. I think you and blonde would have an incredible night of conversation with him. If you wanted to do a nutrition episode uh, on here, send me his information. Yeah. I'll, I'll check it out. Oh, it, you won't regret it based. All right. All right. Uh, Laurel uh, says temporary protected status is decades old. This was the policy we we're talking about with the immigration uh, earlier. It is for when a natural disaster or a war breaks out. It is meant to last 18 months with possible six month extensions. Salvadorians have had it for 20 years. And I will add that Laurel is an immigration lawyer. So she knows what she's talking about on this stuff. I did not. So temporary protected status for Salvadorians for most of our lives. Actually, I didn't know that. Thank you, Laurel. What What's that old saying? There's nothing more permanent than a temporary government program. Yeah. The uh, Ronald Reagan classic, right? Uh, Ninja Kitty Bonks. Movie review. Cocaine Bear. Hunter meets Smokey in this 80s tribute. Matt, WTF, Blonde, a cinematic masterpiece. The Kitty. Six stars. Five stars is not enough. Now, I actually am team Cocaine Bear. I I forget if I mentioned this on the Sunday show or not. Have you seen Cocaine Bear, 
Frank. Yeah, I, I saw. I actually saw it a few weeks ago. And what was it, well, just top level? Did you enjoy it or not? I thought I was. It was somewhere in the middle hmm. because I thought that it was going to be more Sharknado funny, but it was. It it actually was pretty disturbingly brutal. That's why I thought it was um, hilarious. It, 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 it the gore yeah. was so insane. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, no, but but I mean, I, I got through it. it. It just wasn't what I expected. I didn't hate it, but I thought it was going to be more so on the over the top, um, over the top Sharknado kind of a absurdity. Still absurd, but it, I didn't expect it to be so so uh, brutal. And the thing is, the bear killings are actually like the least brutal it's the other deaths and one scene in particular and i don't want to spoil for people but i'll just say the scene where they are trying to evade the bear trying to drive away from the bear that (laughs) that's where i was rolling off the couch dying from one there was one death in particular that was just so creative uh i it was not what i was expecting at all and it, it cracked me up so plot like one out of five entertainment five out of five i would say on cocaine bear they don't try okay they don't try to make it a thinker. They just try to make you <laughs> laugh out loud from ridiculous violence. And it does that. So absolutely. Um, okay. Uh, incompetent hands. Hey, Frank sup hate to go all Anna Kasparian on the audience, but if you enjoy these two and have the means, but don't support them monthly, I am effing better than you. God bless. And shout out to blonde incompetent hands does support the show quite frequently. And that is uh, very much appreciated. Incompetent. Hands. We love you. You're very special. They always have this very special place in my heart because when I was on Timcast last June, Mm. uh, he got through and he he was able to make a uh, a super chat at the time that was a clear reference to hair loss, which of course is very touchy subject around around Tim, and uh, you know because but me he was talking about my 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 baldness. And when I started realizing that my hair was thinning, because uh, I went to a Russian barber after after uh, like uh, I don't know what it was, like think uh, college, and I, I I laughed my ass off about that because I knew if I knew if if Tim knew that he was reading some sort of a hair loss uh, inside Joker, I think he probably would have skipped over that one. Oh but, shit! Um, well, he got Tim. Yeah. Huh? Incompetent a, hands, good a, for you. A feather in incompetent hands cap. Uh, Knuckle Hunky Box says we should have changed his name to Seth Prediger because that sounds closer <laughs> to an accurate description. Seth Prediger. That's a, that's a thinker, but uh, sex predator. That's what he's going with. That, that, that's that's yeah. a good one. I, Knuckle Hunky Buck is very clever. Uh, Nicholas H says, blonde, you're either wearing too much bronzer or not enough makeup at all. You look like a dude. Get your life together. Pregnancy is not an excuse for this aesthetic atrocity. And what is that top? I mean, you know, she's usually pretty uh, fashionable anyway. What? Uh, Jeez, this is a this is a Twin Peaks reference. I'm wearing a black T-shirt too, and actually, Blonde is a fan of the black T-shirt. She does. She yeah, does come on. That this is the Bang cool. Bang Bar from Twin Peaks. This is I, very fashionable. I actually don't know that. I that's like a a cult following '80s show, right? I don't know anything about it. Early, um, early, uh, early '90s. Two okay. two epi- two seasons in the early '90s. Then then yeah. the the movie, and then the third season came out in 2017, which is like masterpiece. Yeah. 
Uh, Bill says James is doing theater, Matt. They never ousted him. They asked him to take a vacation and he turned it into a media frenzy for him. Uh, I keep telling you and eventually I'll be vindicated. I did use the word ousted. I will grant you that point that that is uh, disputed, that the terms of his departure are disputed. We've had Bill on um, the call-in show and Bill without saying too much, he, he know he, he has some level of information on, on project Veritas that is certainly credible. Um, and Bill is of the perspective that what we've all watched is really more of a James O'Keefe acting job than mistreatment by the project Veritas board and the powers that be at project Veritas. Um, so I'll certainly take your point and Bill has held that the entire time. Um, on this on this latest development with the lawsuit, that's kind of why I'm wondering what that whole lawsuit bit was. Like, was that an was that just kind of a showpiece about the lawsuit, or was that a real serving of a lawsuit by just leaving it at the door? Mm. Um, but uh, but yeah, I, I I don't mean to uh, take issue with your characterization, Bill. I'm I'm sure you uh, you have your reasons. In fact, I know you do because we've talked about them. Uh, and thanks for supporting the show. Hope you're doing well. Imperious. Uh, Blonde sucks anyway. Make Frank permanent. Well, that's uh, I mean, yeah, the, don't, the, don't don't how dare don't you make this weird? How dare oh you? Oh my! You have your own voice changing button. I need to get on this level. All right, that's the Satan button. That's right. Yeah, I'm, I I that's my duct tape is not on on that level of production just yet. Uh, Slosher says someone in the chat had a great idea. Blonde should get McDonald's in Japan and take an AD photo with her husband and daughter. She can censor their faces with emojis. Uh, why does she want to get McDonald's in Japan? Yeah, what is that about? I don't know. Uh, I, what's the, the, AD photo? Actually, I don't. What AD? She can take a what's AD photo? Uh, sorry, sometimes it, you know the chat requires people to use use acronyms and abbreviations and. Um, I, I don't know the McDonald's photo bit, so I, I have to punt, but, uh, perhaps we will learn next, or maybe blonde knows what the McDonald's bit is about. We can talk about it next week. I suppose. Uh, Does McDonald's still use beef tallow out there in Japan? Like they used to back in the day before the seed oils came in. I don't know. I have no uh, idea what Japanese McDonald's is like. Okay. AP says, did you guys hear about Gage Grosskreutz getting run over in a car while he was down the street? No joke. Almost felt bad for him, but you know, oh yes, it was uh, tonight's first news story. So rewind back to like, I don't know, 10 minutes in or something like that, because uh, I'm not going to, I'm not going to miss that story. Uh, and thanks for supporting the show. Uh, uh, oh, come on. What? Someone used the. Someone made their account name over on Tippy Stream. I Matt advocate for total racial slur death. Uh, I can't. <laughs> I do not. Uh, only partial, of course. Like occasional. Uh, you didn't have, deserve. You, you you didn't earn that that super chat unless you read it completely, I, I Matt. Know, yeah, yes. <laughs> I only know twenty five letters of the alphabet. I don't know why. See. It, you you go from trying to get me to say the N word to having a, a clever a clever thing to say that you know it's uh that, that that's the yin and the yang of the chat yeah yeah um okay let me give a quick refresh here and okay we do have uh we do have a few more um you still good on time we just got a few more here yeah man all right I'm good marathon man I appreciate it uh 
Let's see. Long Don John says, Frank, if you want to find Matt in Montana, visit the men's bathroom at Town Pumps until you find the one with the glory hole and then wait outside for him to turn up. Very easy. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Many of you. those people probably have AIDS. <laughs> yes. I'll be there. Uh, I'll be town, looking around. Town Pump to fill you in is a, is a Montana chain of, uh, of convenience stores, gas station convenience stores that are palatial and uh, just far superior to any other state's convenience stores. I'll leave it at that. When, if you ever come to Montana town pump, you got to stop for all your snacking needs. Knuckle hunky. So, bought, so you, you spend most of your time at the town pump. You're saying <sighs> some would say I am the town pump, depending on who you <laughs> ask in the chat. Uh, Knuckle hunky buck says, I love how Matt had to explain the chat to Frank, like first time, bring on a new girlfriend to meet his weird family at Thanksgiving. Yes. I mean, I'm trying to be polite to our guests here. I want, I don't want him to feel um, like he's not being included in the inside jokes, you know? Yeah. I, I wouldn't want to be treated like a, weird hetero or anything like that <laughs> Mac, come on now Mac get me Gr- in on this gay stuff <laughs> Matt Grendel said what if we use C-17s to carpet bomb caravans with deported illegals better than catapults that now that's an idea we got to bring up to blonde you actually capture the illegals load them on airplanes and drop them out of the sky in a carpet bombing tactic against coming illegals Ooh. Now that that's thinking right there. I think can you imagine like, being can you imagine being only like 25 miles away from the the American southern border and all of a sudden you see a whole bunch of like a B B17s a fleet of B17s you just hear that humming coming towards you and you're like what the hell's going and then all of a sudden you see that there the cargo bays are open the bomb bays are open and all and you see things are being dropped and you think this is it we got they're, they're bombing us but then you realize they they just dropped tens of thousands of illegals who have already crossed over and been captured and put into the bomb bays. Oh, when you said already crossed over, I was thinking like, as in already dead, but you mean already crossed the border, but that brought a new question into my mind. Are they in fact dead? Are they still alive? I don't know. I mean, that's what they used to do in Chile. The helicopter rides under Pinochet. And uh, so, but I, I, I don't know, but just based on that, what you said right there, imagine that, of the catapults uh yeah th- this that's definitely a, a new one i have not thought about the uh about that that possible strategy i'm sure blonde will appreciate it long don john says before i gotta go uh before i go i gotta ask how'd you like the cyclist story that i sent you matt i did see that and uh, uh frankly we don't have time for me to rip on cyclists tonight uh, to the degree that i would otherwise enjoy um as far as I'm concerned, Frank, cyclists are the scum of the earth, second only to the roller skiers. Have you seen the roller skiers? Roller skis? No, I've never seen that. Yeah, okay. So my dispute with cyclists are the standard, you know, they 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 dress like jackasses and they, they want to uh, assume the role of vehicle and pedestrian at their convenience rather than according to the rules of the road. And they have a sense of entitlement that seems to be unique to them. And, and really, I, I hate cyclists for that reason. But cyclists, yes, not people who ride bikes. Distinction. Cyclists, if you wear, yeah. Yeah, yeah, if you wear the spandex and then you you just with your hand signals. Yeah, exactly. R- the mirror carrying. on your helmet, you know, all yeah. that, um, and and the wraparound sunglasses. But the roller skiers are the same idea. All right, they've got the same outfit, they've got the same entitlement to the road, but they move at a fraction of the pace, and they're basically rollerblading with ski poles. 
All right. I've seen these people occupy the lane of traffic on a shoulder free road with a speed limit of 35. And yet I'm the bad guy. If I were to give them the old gauge gross Kreutz treatment. All right. This is a society. We don't live like animals to borrow the Jim Jeffries line from way back in the day. Roller skis are not roadway equipment. Get the hell out of here. I have no sympathy for you. They especially when they're on hilly roads where there's kind of blind spots and stuff. These people are animals. I've never seen it. I've never seen it. Uh, Anyway, the story that he was talking about, a cyclist was mad that there was a a father and his young daughter occupying some sort of park pathway by the look of the video. And the cyclist is trying to yell at them. Hey, you know, I'm coming up on your right or whatever, because he's going to pass them. And two year old girl doesn't get out of the way. And it appears in the video to say kick would be too strong of a word, but he moves his knee in such a way to nudge this girl physically out of the way as he bikes past her. And there was some oh. sort of lawsuit between the father and the cyclist and the cyclist oh, yeah. won somehow. What? Yeah. I didn't look at the details, but I was too pissed off at a cyclist being vindicated for his clearly bad action. Oh, oh my gosh. If a cyclist nudged my daughter in any way, shape or form, I'm at least going to get my, my money's worth. Uh, I'm, I'm at least going to get my money's worth. I don't know what this guy did after the fact, but uh, he's been defeated in court apparently. Some kind of defamation lawsuit. I don't know. But okay. like he said, I don't know. He's probably called him. He said what I said about cyclists. And that was deemed <laughs> defamation. Knuckle hunky buck. To be fair, the lady that killed her dogs and cats probably was an actual hate crime. I assume that her pets hated her because she probably made them all involuntary vegans. Maybe. By the look of her, though, she didn't look very vegan like. Although I guess I have seen um, overweight vegans in my time. Incredible, isn't it? Uh, well, I mean, there's all kinds of uh, unhealthy products you can, you can consume that have no animal base, but, uh, knuckle hunky buck says that really is something about, uh, that really says something about a church when they're not confused by the words fog house spray painted, but instead they're like, lol, we're not a fog house. You misspelled what we really are, idiot. Yeah. This idiot doesn't know we're a fang house. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, oil King says mass invasion of people multiple times. Or mass invasion of people, multiple types of people is a mass subverting your people. Fix your own land, you you lazies. Um, yag, 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 I tooted is his tagline that I, I frankly, I don't even know what it means, but he goes with it. Frank, please read Ecclesiastes. Did I pronounce that right? I hope so. Yeah. Uh, well, Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes. Oh, sorry. Yeah. What, Ecclesiastes. What it's a tough one. What about it? He just says, please read it. I don't just know. read it. Okay. Oil King right. also says, uh, Frank, if you can't solve creating artificial gravity and shielding from debris, start working on your math and chemistry. Uh, decorum, time, wine, bind, bind, twine. Now, if you're confused, Oil King's bit is like to confuse Blonde and me. So, uh, and we always have to kind of, dec- our theory is that because his name is Oil King, that he's some kind of Saudi and he kind of has his own. Could be language. So, 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 so it's always like that. Like the, yes. the, the super chats come in and you don't know where there's okay. always a code. Like, so uh, there's always a way, something for us to decode with oil kick. Gotcha. Uh, but it's, it's almost like all, all those memes with the, the, in the Indian and Pakistani guys that are hitting on Western women saying, send bobs and vagine. <laughs> they, they're just yeah, like kinda. spelling things wrong. It's yeah. you, you kind of know what they're trying to say, yeah. but you don't know. 
Okay. Thank you, Oil King, though. You are nothing like those uh, Indian and Pakistani guys. No, no, no. no. I would, you are I'm dignified and Saudi. I want to clarify. He also says, uh, Matt, if you want your tabloid article uh, about you make a petition in Montana, happy hunting. Is it all right if I send you paperwork? Yag, 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 I tooted. Why no Ted to answer TikTok and bad public schools? See, the last part, I, I don't know. Um, as far as paperwork, I guess it would depend on the paperwork, but I am fully licensed and I have my tags. I have all that stuff in the state of Montana. I had to sit through like a stupid ass four hour online hunter safety course. And it was the worst. You, th- you think you avoid bureaucracy, but of course the state of Montana outsource this hunter safety to a third party company that handles it for you. And I don't know if you've ever taken this kind of test, Frank, where it's like, okay, now granted, I don't know everything about game laws, animal management and all that, but I know basic firearm safety. I know most Mm -hmm. of like the rules of, of what types of land there are and what you can and can't do. So I'm guessing like I, I have to take this multiple choice test. I bet I could pass it first try without reading the prep material. But they design it in such a way that you have to go through the pages of prep material and the website forces you to sit through two to three minutes on that page before it allows you to click next. And so they they force you. And did I read any of it? No, no. I sat here doing other things at my computer while periodically checking that other browser page. Am I allowed to click through this yet? So it's just government imposed a government imposed timer. time suck. Yes. And that, that uh, was every I sexual, this, every sexual harassment, uh, uh, I don't know, crash course re and refresh that you have to do every year for like working at a YMCA or something like that. Yeah. yeah. You, I mean, I, I, after seven or eight years, I know exactly each slide, but you have to just wait 45 seconds. And so no matter what you do, at least 45 minutes is gone. Mm-hmm. it's terrible that's why i tried to be productive by doing other things during the process but uh, yeah. it, it was what it was i passed i will be i will be hunting in this state regardless even though i never read a damn line of their prep material right anyway oil king says uh two corinthians 10 1 through 5 after the stream could you please read this uh you too frank horsetail fern is a helpful herb wounds skin hair clove plant to help for gas stomach yag 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 i tooted um I don't know. I, 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 I like him. I like him. <laughs> I will say for biblical scripture, meet me Friday at 9 p.m. Eastern time for the Bible study. That is my weekly commitment to scripture reading. Are you getting closer to God? Um, yeah. Let me, uh, let me, cl- you, you got time to have a little bit of a discussion about this, but we're, we're the better part of an hour beyond what I asked you for. So well, I really, I, I listen, you know what? It, it's really your show, obviously. And I know I'm not going to, Elongated. I'm enjoying and, and we're, we're caught up on chat. So I got, okay. I got time. Um, well, and I actually don't even know your religious perspective really. So I will invite you to answer the same question yourself. Cause I'd like to know, but to give you an idea of where I'm coming from, um, I, I am, a, I wouldn't have said I, I'm a, uh, an atheist in the past, but mm-hmm. certainly agnostic. Like if there is some sort of creator or force we as humans are not capable of understanding it. So it's kind of a push. I'm not going to waste my time trying to understand the ununderstandable. That that was more of my youthful perspective um, over time. And I think mostly, mostly pushed by the degenerate forces of the world that reject morality and the rules of the world that I seem to think are 
observable, verifiable, objective. If I look at the world and I see rules to the world about how you ought to behave that are similar to the physical rules of the world, like gravity or anything else, where did those come from? How how do those exist? Uh, What is the source of those? My thinking is, it can't like murder is 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 an inherent wrong, right? That's just a rule that that we accept. Is murder wrong because fifty one percent of people voted to say that it's wrong, or is there something inherent about murder that makes it wrong? Is there some moral truth about the world that makes murder wrong? Yes, is my belief. If yes, where in the hell does that rule come from? It can't come from people voting on it. It has to come from some natural origin. That has led me to search for those sorts of answers. And because so much of the the audience um, and because a guy that I work with closely is is uh, he, he loves scriptural interpretation. He, he had a Bible study that he was doing prior that kind of fell apart and he wanted to do another one. Um, and of course, because I come from like a, a culturally Christian family and society and all of that. It's like, well, I I should probably start with the most basic understanding of Christian scripture and let's go with that. So we did the Bible study for um, a year last year and we've taken a break for six months and now we're coming back. Um, And we did the book, uh, we did John's gospel last year. Now we're going to do Genesis into Acts. And um, I wouldn't say like the scripture itself, I'm still trying to connect the moral truth of the world to the story of, or the teachings of Jesus Christ, like that disconnect. I'm not sure I've made a lot of progress on, but when you say, are you closer to God? What I will say, and uh, maybe you feel this way as a father and and a husband yourself um, throughout the best developments in my life. And I, of course I include my wife and my son and my next son and hopefully more kids after that. There have, and even the the construction of this channel, all the best decisions I've ever made, it's been because there's some, there's just some sort of force telling me you need to do this. It's time for you to do that right now. And sometimes it's even been irrational or like a, against my better judgment. Like there's rational factors A, B, and C that say I shouldn't do this, but there's some force that's compelling me to do it, and so I must. And I've done those things, and every time, it produces a, a better outcome. It's like there's some it's not like someone's pulling puppet strings on me, but just compelling me to act in a certain way at a certain time in a way I can't explain. And I'm searching for an understanding of what that is because I do fully believe in it, that there's, there's some something in the universe giving me cues against my conscious. That's not just my conscious observation of like, Oh, I see factors a, B and C. And that means take action D. No, it's just like a force that, that grabs me and says that way that way right now. I don't even know why I'm supposed to take that way, but I am. And I do. And those have been the best things in my life. So that's the way to answer your question. On one level, it's curiosity about the, the moral origin of the world. On the other hand, it's a search for an understanding of this force that I feel inherently and can't explain. And do you pray yet? Are you just, have you, I, I, you seem like the type that would be because of course you're very analytical. You seem like the type that would, you're seeing something real. You're starting to, to, to really analyze the, um, I mean, well, you, you probably all already witnessed what goes on inside the world. There is definite, um, there is definite evidence of true evil all over the place. And that kind of, um, that kind of 
understanding and seeing that usually is a launch point for a lot of other people to say, well, if there is this abject evil that exists and there must be a counterbalance to it, there must be a reason why they don't want the opposition um, viewpoint, the opposition worldview to exist anymore. There must be a reason why they're using all the tools available to keep their opposition destroyed, especially in the spiritual sense, religious sense. Um, but it's one thing to see that and say, I'm curious. It's one thing to say, my uh, my gut has been, is connected to something. I always, um, I have an intuition that is very active and I'm, I'm the more curious I am, the more I give myself over to it and the more it leads me. And I, um, but it's another thing to say, well, I'm going to start praying. Um, what is going on with you as far as praying goes? Because, yeah. you know, I can see how that can be a, a difficult leap for someone as analytical as you when it really requires a, um, a, a true a true letting go and embracing of a, of a father figure. Yeah. Uh, you know, that that's, that's big, especially the unseen world is very, very hard for analytical people like you and I to grasp, at least at first. Yeah. I don't sit down and consciously pray. And I suppose the way that I've always thought of it as someone sitting down and thinking, okay, I am speaking with you, God, right now. It's time that you and I have this conference in which we exchange ideas or I confess to this or ask for that or whatever. That's always been my conception of prayer. And maybe that's a flawed conception. Um, what I will say is that I, I try to maintain focus on what the purpose of my life is. And I, I try to do that for my own sort of self-centering, but because the purpose of human life or human life having purpose is the fundamental moral truth that, that, uh, that's the foundation on which all the other concepts that we were talking about, uh, is built. So, and that, and you talk about seeing evil <laughs> and that prompting you to reject it. Um, when you undo the idea that human life has purpose for its own sake, that, that, it is here with a purpose, something to achieve, something that ought to be respected. You undo that and all of morality crumbles. It's like, well, why is it wrong to kill your neighbor if his life had no purpose in the first place? It wouldn't be. Mm -hmm. It's just whatever. So if, if, if life in general has purpose and that's our foundational moral concept, then surely my life as an individual has purpose. And I, I believe that it has purpose that uh, I believe that we all have that uh, a similar general purpose in that we are supposed to survive and prosper and build the next generation. And so with every step that I'm, that I take, you know, it's not like I never have fun or do something that's, you know, a waste of time or whatever, but I try to be thoughtful in my construction of every day and every week, thinking critically about how is what I'm doing at this point benefiting my family? How is this building a better future for my wife and sons? How is this fulfilling that purpose for which I was put here? And so it, it's maybe more of like a self-critical thought exercise. I don't know if I view it as a conversation with God, but it is introspection that is framed around that purpose for your life and for humankind in general that I think is godly in origin. Is that 
sort of yeah. get at, you know, I, I wouldn't call it prayer, I, but it's something close. Well, you're, you're getting there. That's the thing. I mean, I, I've seen, I've watched shows, uh, you know, you fielding super chats and you and blonde talking about this stuff. And I've, and I've heard you expressing your trepidation with, you know, praying and, and mm-hmm. I, I don't know, you know, where, where you go with, you know, but you just feeling religious questions. And, uh, so I just, I wonder about that, but it's one of those things where, your curiosity is bringing you on a path where you're going to, you'll get there. And I think that what you're really going to start excelling is when you read people's writings like Thomas Aquinas. Have you read any Thomas Aquinas yet? I, I did in college, but it was in a different mindset and with more of like a chore attitude than curiosity. Yeah. Dude, you're, we're talking about grade A galaxy brain shit. Hmm. We're talking about grade A you, proof of, he, he did his own, um, proofs of god's existence now i know that 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 in itself that in itself lends yourself to the questioning well if you if you can actually philosophize your way to arriving upon definitive proof of god's existence then where does faith come into it if you can actually get there but it it, it synthesizes so well and of course these are things that are things that are you know so much bigger that start right now at a you know 10 to 10 to 12 in the morning over here as we've already been going for three hours, yeah. But that I I can see you going through that. Aristotle, um, Aristotle, Thomas Aquinas. These are just incredible, incredible places along the pathway. And then everything else is just your gut, man. And everything else is just great for me, at least. It's it's gratitude. So I, I, I'm inferring based on what you're saying that that you are a man of faith, or you are a man who has these. Uh, that, that does engage in regular prayer. Am I correct in that understanding or? Oh yes. I okay. rely on my rosary. Um, very, 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 uh, have very you, much. So. Have you always been of that perspective or did you No. What, what's was, your, what's your evolution over time? Raised, you know, New York, Italian, Roman Catholic. Yeah. So, but you know, going through Catholic school from kindergarten to 12th grade, you know, it, there's a cozy nostalgia. What, what for me, what, what it was until 12th grade was I'm going through the motions. I'm learning the prayers. I'm receiving the sacraments and I'm, I'm, I'm getting the backstory. I'm getting familiar with it all, but it's just, um, it's not really, it wasn't really real to me. And then came college. You were just, just a young, invincible, nothing can stop you. Um, I start slipping into that agnostic area where it's not not necessarily that I'm I'm atheist and I don't believe that there's anything else to this life except the, you know the nine to five uh, uh, routines we give ourselves and anything else or chasing tail or whatever the hell it, it's um, it's just that I, I don't know I think it's too above me to actually grasp it and uh, I'm just going to try to conduct myself to the most um, you know, dignified degree that I can and hope that I end up on the right side of whatever, if there is ever something on the other side. Um, and then there is this reversion that has happened for me, especially in the last few years, even leading up to my daughter's birth before it leading up to it. Um, the, the circumstances around her, even, you know, her, con- her conception and, you know, our, the, the pregnancy itself, we thought that it was going to be a pretty hard, hard task. And for a while, I didn't think I was ever going to, you know, be a father. And you see the faith of people around you 
you see things really miraculous happen for people with faith. And I'm not talking about that they're impervious to tragedy. I'm talking about the miraculous things that happen for people, even when they're dealing with tragedy. I don't see, um, I, I start seeing beyond the very juvenile, um, very juvenile stance on religion and okay well if the if god's real then why, why do children get leukemia or if god's real why did this tornado touch down over here and ruin a school and and hurt, hurt all these people or or this bad thing happened well, well why isn't there just a if this god is, exists and why aren't they just uh, micromanaging every last thing that happens or whatever and then i start realizing when you look at how people use their free will in the world that it's it's really just a matter of fortification of the soul and there is a soul there's plenty of evidence for demonic possession there's plenty I, I i have spoken to enough people to know that we are looking at something uh, a very complex existence here it is all very real and my reversion really happened in 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 the form of of understanding a better way to pray and uh, I think human language gets in the way of it all. I think that we try to get very fluffy with our language when we talk to God, and we think that we have to act very formal, and we have to be very poetic and all that stuff. But uh, the, the real thing is that we we are, most people are very juvenile in, in, in how we pray. And it's just asking for things and and putting a, like our, our cosmic wish list up there when it's really just about, um, you know, sinking into this 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 energetic soup that has been created and not seeing us as uh separate from it anymore and um i think that there's plenty of revelation over the years that puts us in a uh, a good place to 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 just claim our, our our place in it all and um that that's it it's it's been it's been big for me to to really go back and and try on this the faith christian faith in a way that was uh was chosen mm. and and very adult because then suddenly suddenly you realize that it is very scientific uh it is very philosophical the mind the body the heart it's all in it and that uh and that you you almost start feeling bad for people who who see life as cheaply as they do it puts a whole new perspective on on analyzing current events yeah um and yeah you know, it, it does that's one I wouldn't say frustration um, because I don't I think that my life has improved in many ways out of this curiosity. I have I have faith, frankly, that it will continue to improve because of this pursuit. But one of the things that has been so persuasive to me is just the comparison to the alternative. It's looking at people who believe that life is void of purpose, that there is there is no inherent value to 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 a life in general that there aren't necessarily better or worse choices to make. And that all of morality is just relative. Those people end up miserable fundamentally because I think that they're living a lie. There is moral truth to the world and you live a better life when you pursue it and adhere to it. When you deny it, you live a life of a lie and you suffer for it and watching unhappy people suffer because of that ideological confusion or whatever you want to call it has been a, a probably the strongest force in leading to my curiosity. I, the reason I say frustrated is because I, I, it, it seems to diminish 
the arguments of people who have been trying to persuade me of this sort of thing for a long time to say, well, it wasn't the it wasn't the active argument of people trying to persuade me. It was looking at the alternative and seeing how how sorry and how terrible that alternative is that had me thinking, well, I don't know what the truth is, but it's not that. I don't know, though. At the end of the day, I think that whatever path you take to get to the truth, and I certainly hope that's where I'm headed, that's my intent, whatever path you take to get there is valuable for its own sake, even if it's uh, you know, not the prettiest or the most scenic route when you go. Yeah. The, the, you, you, know, you know what it is, too, for me, and I won't, I won't drag this out too long because obviously we can go on for hours on this one, but it was, um, it was really connecting to, you talk about law of attraction, you talk about energy and frequency and putting yourself on one route or another. You, you just said right there, if you, if you commit to a, a little bit more of a noble and um, uh, uh, having good days always leads to, to better, better days, you know, having doing good deeds leads you to feel, makes you feel better. You start realizing that when you actually do that, a sin is something realizing what sin is. Um, that there is a morality that is universal, that you can either choose to ignore it and become desensitized to it. It doesn't mean that you haven't, you, you don't understand that, that you're wrong, that, that doing something wrong, whether it is, you know, to, to take away, to, to deceive somebody, to steal something, to, to betray a person's trust, whatever the hell it is, to do something for selfish, undignified reasons whether it be a small act or a very large one, that is something that you know when you do it. It disconnects you from something. And whether or not you ever contemplate God at all, Jesus Christ, whether you contemplate that at all, you can feel that disconnection to something. Whereas when you give yourself over to things that elicit joy and love, anybody in a new age that talks about, you know, things that are either love-based or fear-based, and that's really what it all, that's true in itself. Like St. Therese of Lisieux, I forget how you say that last one, but she created this thing called the, the little way, the little way to heaven. And it all is a very simplistic approach to creating a life that that really enriches a person on the way that children experience joy. You have a son that is about the same age as my daughter. You know from observing him that there is a boundless joy that is effortless, that runs through them. That right there is the closest. I mean, you have no clue how close to God your son is because of that 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 joy and to be able to keep people in feeling that all the time to be living in that 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 uh that light of hope and love that is literally the essence of god and people like saint Therese were talking about the little ways of getting to heaven and it is to 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 be able to take on and to preserve childlike ideas of going out into the, obviously you get older, you take on more responsibility, you become the caretakers instead of the children. I mean, th th some of that levels off, but you have to hold on to that spark. Modern society is designed to kill that spark. And, and, and that's why in, in scripture, you know, I am not, I, I'm, I am not a theologian 
don't come to me to talk about this and, and expect to be uh, expect to be, you know, wowed or anything like that. But from years of being in school, I, I know about Jesus's relationship to children and parables that he that he he taught based on the mindset of children and the treatment of children. That if you don't come to him through, uh, you know, if you don't come, you, you'll never come to the kingdom of heaven if you aren't coming in the form and in the mindset and the presentation of children. That to do anything to these people, to, to, to harm them would be to cast yourself into eternal damnation because you are essentially destroying a soul. You're rooking them of that, uh, that key to paradise. And that, right, that key is that that boundless joy. I mean, we need to foster that more often. And um, I, there's, there's those little open doorways and everything, man. And I think the problem that most people have is getting tripped up in the personification and the visualization of what heaven looks like. What does God look like? Who am I talking to right now? And if you can strip all that away and you can just start feeling, then you realize that it is he, the almighty is there all over the place and there is a real there's a a, a real um advantage in in being aligned with him and i i think that that is going to become more and more more and more evident to you and i think that once you're able to get rid of all the the personifications the gray beards you know the the floating around on clouds and all that other stuff i think someone like you is going to have a lot easier time giving yourself over to it um, yeah, but what, the, yeah. What, what you're saying there makes a lot of sense to me because what has uh, attracted me thus far is not the specifics about the image or the voice or all the things that you're talking about. Um, it's the role that God fills. And I think yeah. it's it's the role that God fills to complete what I see as an observable moral reality to the world. Now, I'm on a search to understand those specifics as best I can, I guess everybody is, but I suppose to complete your thought, I don't need to see every gray hair to see the silhouette. And really the silhouette is, is, is the demonstration of existence that matters. Um, and, and as far as that view, I think, I think I'm, I'm pretty much there. I mean, I, I would not reject, I would reject the, I, I never held the title atheist. I certainly don't hold it now, but agnostic, I would not accept that title anymore either just because there's got to be a source for the world's moral framework. What is it? That is the God concept. Do I believe there's a source for that? Yes, that's God. I mean, that's belief in God right there. So uh, we had one uh, additional super chatter here. Tortuga over in Japan. I think Matt just found his philosophical bromance. Me too, to be honest. So Tortuga over in Japan is a fan of what you're saying. We love you. You're it, very well, special. I'm happy it's resonating with somebody because, like I said, I'm not a, I'm no, I'm no, uh, I'm no theologian, but I, I'm on a, I'm on a journey with. I think a lot of people. I think that the, I think that this the last few years alone has been enough to get uh, anybody really questioning and maybe going back and reevaluating what they what they walked away from because it seemed to be square. I mean, even for me, I you know, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of uh, a lot of shade thrown at Catholics. And I was brought up Catholic, and I'm really exploring that in a traditional sense. Like, what was what was destroyed inside from within the Vatican? What was destroyed dogmatically? What was destroyed uh, on a liturgical basis? Just like what was destroyed from within the United States government? Like, how was the Republic destroyed? 
you know, you can say I'm an American right now. How proud of you of being an American? Like what, what does the government, what does America represent right now? And how in line are you with it? You know, what has taken it over? What has destroyed it? I mean, there's a lot of people out there who are just like, listen, I'm an American. I'm a patriot, but I don't love my government. And I think that we are, uh, we are, we're gone. And that, uh, that a lot of things are, are very, very bad now. And we, we might be irreparably damaged. The same thing is for many Christian denominations. It's not just the Vatican. That is just the most, uh, the most recognizable, um, presence out there because of, you know, I mean, Catholicism built Europe, uh, for the most part and all that stuff under that, under those banners, under that faith. But, uh, it is, it is also, been targeted in the most serious of ways and if you look at it now with the pedophilia with the, all the changes after vatican ii i mean it is it is very very in the bag for agenda 2030 we have a we have a a, a vampiric communist pope he's a wicked man in my in my opinion i still don't even know what i even feel about the papacy in general i i understand you know peter's role and and everything but as far as you know, human hierarchical. I I I concentrate more so on prayers, the power of prayer, uh, daily contemplation on that, um, the mysteries. You know, uh, it, it's things like that. that I'm almost like fine tuning my faith, and I think a lot of people are doing that. And what am I going to be in five years? I don't know. I think that, uh, but I think you and I are working on walking on similar paths, Matt. And and as uh, long yeah. as as long as we're uh, we're concentrating on that, I think that the world can only change for the better. I agree. I, I can I can say my own life has only improved ever since I've uh, opened myself to these concepts. And it's not like I was in, in terrible shape or suffering before, but I just again every day I feel like I'm more in tune with my purpose, and that's a life that is great to get up for every morning instead yeah. of a life where you wake up every morning and question why you're even here in the first place and what is it you say that you do around here to uh, quote the the office space line. But what uh, do you do? Yeah, but uh, but man, uh, really appreciate the thoughts. I, I I trust the audience appreciated some extended. Uh, commentary on uh on the religious topics as well so dude we're over three hours now so i'll definitely have to call it there but uh but thanks for your time man I, that's over an hour of extra content from frank so again quite frankly dot tv if you would like to find frank's material which is um almost every day you know monday through friday for sure you're gonna get some weekend material as well um yep. anything else you'd like to say before we call it a night I thank you. I thank uh, thank Blonde for all the great work she does. So all you guys together, and uh, and yeah, I'm very humbled to be uh, to thought of to be thought of and considered in a situation like this. I'm always around if you guys need me. Sure. And um, yeah, quite frankly, TV is the hub for everything. Seven o'clock Monday through Friday, and um, that is where you know you'll always find me. I may be kicked off in one place or another. Uh, I will say this. If you want to help me just for shits and giggles, get over 100,000 subscribers. I'm less than a 150 away on YouTube. Get at um, it. I, we could do as it tonight. As soon as I hit it. Yeah, I'll yeah. be kicked off. I'm, I'm, I'm giving a new strike every other week. Yeah. Um. So I'd like to just at least hit that before the entire channel is shut down. Other than that, I'm on Rumble and everything else. And it's uh, a little bit of you know, we do current events when it's necessary just to keep up with the Joneses. But everything else is human condition big picture stuff, having fun, uh, and, uh, audience driven topics and, and 
and of course, great guests like Matt Christensen. So I hope to make friends with many of you. All right. Well, thank you for your time, Frank. Thoughtful and reliable. That's why I call you up when I need you. You are thoughtful and reliable. And I appreciate that. So uh, once again, quite frankly, TV to find everything Frank related. Uh, if you'd like to find any uh, anything related to this show, you want to check out the part of the show that you missed or you want to send me a message or you want to buy a T-shirt. Anything show related, head on over to the website, mattchristensenmedia.com, or of course, mattis.gay, if you prefer convenience in your URLs. Uh, Blonde will be back next Sunday. I'm told very little so far other than the Japanese trip is going great. Uh, I know she got the sushi she was after, so we'll hear all about that next Sunday. Until then, uh, we'll we'll have to wait until then, I guess. We'll see you next Sunday. Because if it's Sunday, sorry Chuck Todd, even though he doesn't do the show anymore. It's not Meet the Press, it is The Matt and Blonde Show. Have a great night. (laughs) 